Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. of talk now on talk radio 1210 wpht rich zioli well Forty willis is on the stand and it was a brutal day today for nathan wade her boyfriend it's just been ugly as the uh phone county prosecutor uh, yeah no she was uh she was stripping him yeah she was stripping him when she hired him not a good look. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. So I think the case against uh, Donald Trump in Fulton County, Georgia is over. As I've been telling you, it's over for weeks and weeks and weeks. But that doesn't mean that, that Trump is out of the woods, of course, because you have another uh, lunatic prosecutor in New York named Alvin Bragg. Um, that trial against Donald Trump now has a start date of March 25th. So. They keep coming at him, and what they don't understand is that as they keep coming, he keeps getting stronger and stronger, and they don't seem to understand that, do they? They don't seem to get that. It was funny. I was I had uh, a beer with a buddy of mine the other night who wasn't a huge Trump guy, you know, in 2020 or 2016, I should say, but he said he is he's gonna he's gonna walk over fire this time around because he's so angry at what they are doing to him, so angry at what they are doing to him. That he said, I got to do something. I got to I got to do something about it. And he's right. You know, and I think that th- that sentiment is something that everybody's seeing. But let's uh, recap what happened today so far in this whole thing. The reason why this uh, court hearing is happening is there's a guy named Mike Roman who's been on the show before. Sued and said, listen, you know, he's one of the people named as a defendant in the Georgia case in Fulton County. He said, listen, I think that the prosecutor. And the guy that she brought on to help with the prosecution are lovers. They've been taking trips together, and this is a conflict of interest, and I want the case tossed. I want the case thrown out. The judge agreed that there's merit to that basis in order to have a hearing. And that's what today is. It's a hearing to determine if there is a conflict of interest. Now, today on the stand, Nathan Wade admitted that, yes, he slept with Fawny Willis. The question, of course, is did he sleep with her before she hired him? And by all indications, the answer to that seems to be a gigantic yes, though he's dancing around this in a big, big way. 
the argument that Fonnie Willis is making is, look, if I hired the guy and then in the course of our relationship together, you know, we knocked boots. All right. It happens. You know what I mean? People fall in love with the workplace and what are you going to do? All right. Um, that's not a conflict of interest because when I brought him on, he was just a prosecutor. And then in the course of it, like like the show Legal Eagles or the movie Legal Eagles, I forget. I think it was a movie. Uh, we fell in love. And it's the stuff of, uh, of of romance. And now you can't say there's a conflict of interest because we were just friends when this whole thing started. When I brought him on and paid him $700,000 in this entire thing. Um, or she was uh, with him beforehand and brought him on because she was with him beforehand. And she was also benefiting, benefiting from that financial fact because they would take trips together. Even though he, she apparently would reimburse Nathan Wade in cash, cash money. Let's uh, pop it. We might uh, jump in here a little bit and hear some of the cross-examination of Fawny Willis as this is going on uh, live right now. Because I want to hear her confess to the fact that she had an affair with Nathan Wade. I want to hear her confess and say all these things. And this is the top of the, the big story of the day today brought to you by my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria. VenariaDental.com. V-A-N-A-R-I-A. VenariaDental.com. So she's right now taking the oath to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. But I don't know if she's going to because the two of them might have agreed that they will both say they didn't sleep together prior to him getting hired and then, you know, swear on a stack with to each other that they didn't do this. But the problem for her is that she's got a roommate, former roommate, who says that they absolutely were together prior to 2019. Anyway, let's uh, let's jump in here and take a quick uh, listen. Um, it only made sense to me that I would be your next witness. And I've been very anxious to have this conversation with you today. So I ran to the courtroom. So as soon as um, you heard that Mr. Wade was done testifying, that's when you just assumed you would be the next witness? It only makes sense. Um, did you listen to any of the testimony? I've been in my office pacing, ma'am. Okay. Um, did you listen to any of the arguments? I did hear the, the arguments this morning. It's ridiculous to me that the... You lied on Monday, and yet here we still are. And I did listen to that argument. Um, um, all right, so that was it, just the argument, no testimony. Right, I listened to the argument this morning where Adam Abadi, I thought, did an excellent job pointing out how dishonest you were with the court on Monday. And um, I'm actually surprised that the hearing continued. But since it did, here I am. Great. Um, so let's talk about first let's just talk about what you did in preparation for today um did you meet with mr wade at all once the mo- once the motion was filed did you meet with mr wade and talk to him about the motion that i filed to disqualify you on january this first january motion yes i don't know if you could say talked about um i probably had some choice words about some of the things that you said that were dishonest within this motion so i don't know that it was a conversation as you know mr wade is a southern gentleman me not so much a southern gentleman was did you have a conversation i didn't have a substantive conversation you did not i read this motion skimmed it more up so and um i've probably said some choice things to him about some of the lies they were told okay and then printed in the media because you know we used to be in a day and time where you had 60 minutes and people did stories and they verified information um and you had this great reporting but it seems today that a lawyer writes a lie and then it's printed for all of the world to see 
Well, I just want to make sure that you answer the question I asked, though. So my question was... I'm going to Overrule, Mr. Blatter. Um, I told you what happened. I read the motion. I am sure I told him what my opinion of it is. Okay. And past that, we had no substantive conversation. You did not. Okay. Is there um, something you didn't understand? No, I just wanted to make sure that, that okay. you did not have a meeting with him in the conference room to discuss the motion. Right, next question, Ms. No. Merchant. So in the, in the conference room of my office, within this week, you produced some financial document. That financial document was given to me, some thing, and I'm not even sure it was given it to him by me. The question, of course, is did they collude in their testimony? Um, and I think he showed Two lovers who both said, all right, listen, we're going we're to both go in there and say we didn't sleep together. I would not have, I don't and think I have had any... Nobody can prove that we did, so it's our word against theirs. Substantive. That's the question. Did they did they um, chat about this prior to taking the stand um, today? Since you filed the motion, but they wouldn't be substantive to this. He sent me uh, very nice uh, sermons that that have been done, and so we've had conversations about. Did you listen to that sermon? You, you know, things of that nature. And I would say they were in relationship to this because I think he did it to be kind. Um, let's start back in 2019. Yep. So, um, you and Mr. Wade met in October 2019 at a conference? That is correct. Okay. And I think in one of your motions, you tried to implicate I slept with him at that conference, which I find to be extremely offensive. I stayed at that conference. Mr. Wade was my teacher. I did not meet him when he Hot for class. teacher. I was standing outside talking to Lisa Reeves. There's a song for you, Henry. Me and her were Van Halen, Hot for Teacher. Mr. Wade, teacher. I think they hug each other. They have some brief conversation. She introduces us. No, you don't like that song. You can talk. It's okay. This is. I can't play it. Why? It says the F word. I agree. Right in the beginning. So, teacher, going to look like this year, Miss Merchant. That's okay. I can handle it as well. So, I'll ask you just listen to the answer, or excuse me, the question. They don't have a uh, radio-friendly version. They must have a radio-friendly version, right? I, I mean, I only heard that song really on the radio. And on the, I believe it was on the album For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. Am I correct about that? And I take exception to it. All right, well, Ms. Willis, she'll be, have the opportunity to explain all of that when it's the state's turn. She's very upset that she has to answer these questions. Very upset. Um, so, again, my question was, you all met at that conference, though, right? We did. The meeting, okay. he, as I... It's 2019 the now. Did, did they sleep together in 2019? taught the class. I walked out of the class, and I'm not sure if it was that exact class or we had went to lunch, but we were standing in the vestibule, like outside of the class. Me and Judge Reeves were having a conversation. She had worked at a law firm I worked at back in 1996. We're getting way afar. I mean, I don't mind her explaining yeah, no, answers, but I literally just asked Yeah, we, like, I don't need to know if you had a salad with him at lunch. It's irrelevant. Come on. These answers are more than appropriate. Miss Merchant, if you want more concise answers, perhaps you could lead the witness. I will. Thank you, Judge. Um, isn't it Go true ahead. that you met Mr. Wade in October 2019 well, at Judge's conference? We haven't gotten to the point where Ms. Willis should be treated hostile. Uh, I think well, we I'm have very much want to be here, so I'm not a hostile witness. I very much want to be not here. Not so much that you're hostile, Ms. Willis. It'd be an adverse witness. Your interests are opposed to Ms. Merchant's. You're, you're mean, though. Are cranky. Contrary to democracy, Your Honor, not to mine. We can keep things moving. Ms. Murphy, next question, please. Um, okay, so we've confirmed when you met. Um, after that, isn't it true? No, I, I need to explain this, and I think I get to explain my answers. When I met him, Judge Reeves introduced us. 
All right, let, let, he you can me his business card. lower it a little sure bit for a second here. So she's stalling as much as possible here because she doesn't want to admit the obvious, which is that they slept together prior to her hiring him. Bottom line. And she does not want to answer that question. So she's 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 stalling. All right, go ahead. Pot it up. You are Robin Yerdy. I know her as Robin Bryant. I, I knew her. Uh, so. Robin did not go to my college. She went to the college of, uh, I went to Howard University. She went to Morgan State. Uh, I met her through some people I knew. Um, In college, we hung out a bit, not much because she was in Baltimore and I was in Washington, DC, Um, but we hung out a bit. After college, I lost contact with her. I probably didn't see Robin again until maybe seven or eight years ago, a chance meeting here in Atlanta but we did not have a consistent relationship from when I left college and came to Emory Law School here in Atlanta. But I, eight to 10 years ago, um, just by happenstance, I ran into her. So she was in Atlanta. You have been friends with Robin for 30 something years. Did you hear my answer, madam? Yes, and I'm asking if you've been friends with her for 30 something years. I've known her for 30 something years. This is the woman who testified that, yes, there was a relationship going back as far as 2019. Uh, Wasn't close, but she was certainly in the girlfriends that partied together. Um, And then, like I said, I ran into her about 10 years ago in Atlanta, Georgia. So we didn't talk throughout that time period. I didn't see her. I didn't even know where she was. When I ran into her, I was surprised she was in Atlanta. And so, yes, I have known her probably since 1990, 1991, but we have not maintained a consistent relationship that whole time. For the last 10 years or five, whatever you'd like to classify it as, have you been friends with her? I have not spoken to Robin in um, over a year. I certainly do not consider her a friend now. Um, I think that she... But they were friends in 2019. You know... And that's when she said Fonnie Willis was knocking boots with Nathan Wade. Trade our friendship. So let's narrow it down the timeline now. So my questions are going to be from the time period of 2019 until she no longer was employed for you. The last time you all talked. So all of my next questions are just focused on that time frame. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Up until she left your office. Yes, ma'am. During 2019, you all were friends, correct? Yes, we knew each other in 2019. During 2020, you all were friends, correct? We were, we knew, yes, we were friends during that time period. During 2021, you all were friends, correct? Yes. Okay. And such good friends that when you needed a place to stay, you asked her if you could take over her lease. That's a lie. You did that's not, not move the, into her apartment? I did, but that's not the way you characterize it is wrong. I asked if you asked if you could take over her lease. Did I did you? not ask if I could take over her lease. Did you move into her apartment? I moved into her condo in April of 21. The circumstances around that were that Robin met her husband. They wanted to move into another and separate place. She wanted to get rid of her condo. My father was living with me at the house. Because of this case and because of my stance on gangs, my life was being threatened regularly. My father urged me to leave our home. At the same time, as luck would have it, Robin wanted to give up her lease because she wanted to move in with this new man she met who eventually became her husband. And so as life circumstances work, my dad was begging me to leave the house. He was afraid for me, afraid for his grandchildren. She wanted someone to take over her lease so that she didn't you know, have to pay a fee or get abandoned. And so I don't remember when, but probably March or April of 21, I move in and take over her lease. 
And did you pay her, her or did you pay the um, leasing agent? No, I don't even know who the leasing agent was. I paid her. You paid her. Did you pay her cash or did you use card? Um, there were some times that I would give her cash, and there, but mostly I paid her. Let me do this. Let's uh, pop that down a little bit. Let, let me play for you the clip of her friend who is the subject of this right now, um, who says that the relationship with Nathan Wade began prior to um, Bonnie Willis hiring him. Uh, cut two. Got it, Matt? Is it not working? And do you understand it, that their relationship began in 2019 and continued until the last time you spoke with her? Yes. Okay, yes. All right, so that's key. I mean, it's just a yes. They had a relationship. And Matt, see if you can find a longer version of that, too, if, you, if you'd be so kind. But that's, that's the epicenter of it, right? That she, this woman right now who's at the center of this friendship with Fawny Willis, did, did they have a relationship Nathan Wade and the district attorney in 2019. The timeline is essential here because if they did and she hired him, that is a direct conflict of interest. It it may not be as clear if they fell in love at the workplace after he was brought on the case. It may not. I I don't know. I mean, that's really a a determination a judge makes. I think you can make an argument either way. But what would be 100% clear with no gray area whatsoever is that if she hired her lover to be the prosecutor on this case to go after Donald Trump. If she hired her lover, that is an absolute 100% conflict of interest. No no gray area about that. There's no gray area whatsoever. Again, I, I still, my personal opinion is that even if they met at the workplace, or I should say, even if their relationship got physical at the workplace, it's still a conflict of interest and she should be taken off the case. Because they were traveling together and trips and everything else. And I don't buy this whole idea that they, you know, she paid her own way and he paid his own way. And I think I think the whole thing is a scam. But the judge may not see it that way. Judge may say people fall in love with the workplace all the time. But if it is a fact, an undisputed fact that she was sleeping with Nathan Wade prior to the start of this case, then there is no question. It is a conflict of interest. There's no gray area, no ambiguity. No challenge, no appeal, no opinion. It just is. So that's what's at the heart of this right now. We know they slept together. I mean, Nathan Wade answered that. He has the clip that I just sent you, by the way, Matt. Is that the same clip that you have on the show sheet? I don't know if that's exactly the same. Um, I just sent you one like a second ago or two. Uh, hold on, I'm loading okay. it up now. Um, I do have a longer version of Robin Yurdy heard. Okay, let's take a listen to that. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, do you know if Miss Willis and Mr. Wade started dating in October of 2019? I don't know if it was October of 2019. Could it possibly be November of 2019? Could possibly. Okay. And when we spoke, you said it was shortly after the municipal court conference, though, correct? Yes. Okay. So you know that their relationship, their personal relationship, began shortly after this municipal court conference? Yes. And when I say personal, romantic. Is that, is, I just want to make sure we don't get in an argument over what personal and romantic is later. When I ask you personal, do you take that to mean romantic? Yes. Okay. And do you understand it? that their relationship began in 2019 and continued until the last time you spoke with her. Yes. Okay. 
Now, if that is true, what she's saying, if that is in fact true, then there's no gray area whatsoever. Fanny, Fanny Willis and Nathan Wade were knocking boots and she never should have brought them on the case, period. End of story and that's the end of it. All right? Now, the reason why it's relevant, her credibility, is because obviously the two of them are going to say the same story. Nathan Wade and Fawny Willis are both going to say that the first time they ever had sex was after she had already brought him on. And they fell in love at work. And it just so happens to be, you know, who do you covet? You covet the people you see every day. What's that line from Silence of the Lambs, right? And so it's going to be a matter of credibility. Do you believe this witness? Or do you believe Fawny Willis and Nathan Wade? And there's a lot of things that Nathan Wade has danced around and lied about. And it's really problematic here. A lot of it. But here's the word salad of him responding to the fact that, yes, he had sex with Fawny Willis. Again, this is the prosecutor brought on to go after Donald Trump in a RICO case where he's made approximately $700,000 of taxpayer money in this uh, whole thing. This is what he said. I might. The way it has been characterized in, for example, the response of the state, and I believe in your affidavit, is there's a difference between a personal relationship and a professional relationship. Correct? Yes, sir. Okay. I'm not talking about a professional relationship. I'm talking about a personal relationship. Have you had a personal relationship at all? And you know what I mean by that. After the summer of 2023. Are you asking me if I had intercourse with the district attorney? I, I was trying not to, but I, I guess the if you're going to characterize it as that, the answer would be? The answer would be no. Okay. So... It's been purely professional since the summer of 2023. So, so that's where we're having issues. Um, okay, I, you'll have to explain because I don't know what the issue would be. No, I, I will explain to Thank you. You. Um, the, the, you say personal. Um, we're very good friends, probably closer than ever because of these attacks. But if you're asking me about specific intercourse the answer is no how about if i change it from intercourse to romantic no okay now that's a word salad answer here's another word salad answer that he gives saying that he did have sex with her take a listen period of separation which included up to may the 30th of 2023 isn't that correct sir my answer to this interrogatory is none. It's none. So you're saying that you did not have sexual relationships with anyone uh, outside of your marriage, and the period of separation is during the period that you're answering the question to this interrogatory, correct, sir? I'm saying during the course of my marriage, I did not have sexual relations to anyone, and this answer is no. Well, again, Your Honor, I, I need to, You can proceed, Mr. I need to, we need a yes or no. <clears throat> Let's just get down to it. Did you or did you not, by May the 30th, 2023, have had sexual relations with Miss Willis, yes or no? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Now, what you did is you answered no to that question, didn't you or not, correct? I didn't answer no to the question you just asked. I answered no to the interrogatory question. And the interrogatory stands uh, that you answered as a pleading in a, in, a, uh, in, a, in a civil proceeding, your divorce case, right? Yes. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> excuse me. 
The next interrogatory, let's move there. All right, so they, thank you, that Matt. So basically, we know that they're sleeping together. We know that they have been sleeping together. The question, of course, is when did it start? And then who paid for what? And whether or not that really she was paying her own way and he was paying his own way and all these things. It's murky. It's ugly. And what I can tell you is it's over. The case is over. Even an MSNBC legal analyst just said that. And I'll share that with you upon my return. This is going to be a fun day. <laughs> really fun day. I'm enjoy- I, I am thoroughly enjoying this. I really am. I'm enjoying watching the destruction of these two people uh, in, in, a, in a glorious, glorious way. Because they had no business whatsoever going after Donald Trump in the manner which they did. It was an overzealous prosecution. And now the fact is that these two people who were completely unethical, and I don't care what they did sexually together, and if they were private citizens, I wouldn't give a damn. But she's the elected district attorney who ran on a platform of not having sex with anyone she worked with. And she brought on her lover who was not qualified to do the job. He was not qualified to be that prosecutor. And then the taxpayers paid for all their little trips and soirees and everything else. And I've got a huge problem with that. And I think everybody should. And I think the case is over. So we'll talk about all of this today. It's going to be a busy one. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Don't go away. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Thank you, Henry, for finding the radio-friendly version. I just had to skip the uh, the sweet drum intro. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, I know Kevin, Kevin Pulse pointing out this was not on the album for unlawful carnal knowledge. However, I think that saying that album was particularly relevant given the case we're talking about right now for unlawful carnal knowledge. Uh, anyway, the um, the actual Hoffer teacher was with David Lee Roth back in 1984, and um, for unlawful carnal knowledge was 1995-ish with Sammy Hagar. Say clarification there as we do our social media check-in. Uh, Melanie Melanie says, Rich, the fa- the phony case is like a car wreck. You can't look away. Earbuds in all day at work listening. State stumbling with insane objections. She better go down. She is going down, and. As Mark Robson, 88, said, these answers sound like the definition of what is, is. Yes, 100%. This is kind of boring right now. They're talking about reimbursements and money and blah, blah, blah. Um, we will, I mean, the, we're going to jump back in, and no po- no doubt. But I just want to play you an MSNBC legal analyst here, because I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, sure, Rich. 
You, Mr. Conservative Talk Radio star, you think the case is dead. What about the wackos on MSNBC? What do they think? Well, here's federal and white-collar defense attorney Caroline Polisi. And uh, cut number five. Legal-centric and yet so important and fascinating. Right. Don't let the legalese fool you. This is epic. This is monumental. If things are going in the direction we think... Uh, Fonnie Willis lied to the court. It's game over for her. She will be disqualified um, if they had a relationship prior to when they uh, represented to to the court. It's it's a huge deal. I, I can't overstate it. You don't have to overstate it because it's a huge deal. Uh, she's exactly correct. It is a huge, huge deal. Here is uh, Terrence Bradley. This is Nathan Wade's law partner who informed the court that the National Bar Association gave him legal advice on how not to answer questions on Fawny Willis and Nathan Wade. Uh, Because if if you don't think this is corruption at the highest level, I got a I got a bridge to sell you. Uh, Cut number four. Refer to what I was told by the bar. that rule 1.6 of confidentiality applies and that I would be asking for an immediate review by the Supreme Court. Sure, but applies to what? Any communications is what the person at the bar told us. Any communications? He, like he, did, he did not qualify. to Mr. Wade, that's covered. Well, Judge, I, I don't know. Um, he didn't go into those specifics, um, but this is what was told. This is what was told, that he sought counsel on how to lie, basically, how to avoid answering these questions. Here's here's my guess, right? My guess is that they're both going to say that they didn't sleep together, even though all of the evidence points to the fact that they did. And there's going to be enough murkiness here because of all the timelines in terms of cash for this and cash for that and whether they were traveling together and, and that that. It's going to be obvious the judge is going to say there's a, there's a conflict of interest here. And then possibly, you know, potentially they might have perjured themselves, which is a crime, obviously. No question about it. But I think this case is over. There's so much ambiguity here and enough reason for them to think, I mean, a reasonable person to assume that they would be lying about their relationship status and that they were because it was he was married and she would ultimately bring him on the payroll. When she literally, I should point out, ran on a platform of telling people that she would never do this. I mean, this is from 2020. This is Fawny Willis speaking with the Atlanta Voice, cut number six. Because they deserve a DA that won't have sex with his employees. Because they deserve a DA that won't put money in their own pocket when it should go to benefit children. Because we deserve better. Okay, so if, in fact, they did have a DA who was having sex with her employees or her consultants or whatever, I mean, that's not good. Not good. And it's not only politically bad, but there's also an ethical, huge ethical problem here with this. So even if the two of them are thick as thieves in lying about the actual timeline, if you can put together enough where a reasonable person can say, we can think we we can assume you guys were probably more than just friends in 2019. There, you're off the case. That's how I see this playing out. I really do. I that's how I see this playing out. 
because we know that they are were together. It's just a matter of when. And I think there's just enough. There's so much gray area here that a judge is going to have to say, look, th- th- you, this is your conflict. You're off. You're, you're done. You're off the case. Because in my opinion, and again, this is just me, and I don't care what consenting adults do in their personal lives, but she's a public figure who's elected by the people. And she took an oath and she made a promise as a politician also. But then to bring on a guy to be a prosecutor who was not qualified to be that prosecutor. Like, I'm happy that she picked Nathan Wade. I personally am because he's not qualified. He's not up to the job. He was a guy dealing with municipal traffic tickets and things like that. So, I mean, selfishly, from my perspective, I'm thrilled that she picked Nathan Wade because he's a terrible prosecutor. I wouldn't want her picking a good prosecutor. But her job would be to pick someone who's supremely qualified for that job. This is a a case where you're going after a former president on this novel election fraud RICO theory. You need an experienced prosecutor who has experience going after RICO cases, who has brought down drug drug uh, drug gangs or, or or the mob or corporations that engage in in you need somebody with that kind of experience nathan wade had ungats as we say in that department nothing so well i'm happy about that as a trump supporter i'm happy that the guy was not up to the job she had an obligation to her office and to the taxpayers to bring in the highest quality people for this case and she did not do that because she was obviously romantically linked to him or wanted to be, and thought maybe by giving him the job that he would, uh, you know, fall prey to her charms. Either way, it stinks. It stinks. And, you know, it's one thing to say, look, I like you, you like me, but we're in the middle of this case here, and we're trying to bring down the former president of the United States of America. So as much as I like you and you like me, we're going to have to put this off until the trial concludes. And then when we get our guilty verdict, we can have sex right on this conference room table. And celebrate and pop the champagne corks. But until that time, uh, we have to remain friends because it would be a conflict of interest. And I think that that's also very, very glaringly obvious. The minute that they started engaging in an affair, in my opinion, it, it transcended what is appropriate given her office. But I don't believe the argument that they fell in love with the workplace because, again, she brought this guy in without being up to the job. He didn't have the qualifications to be brought on here he was not an experienced prosecutor going after rico stuff he dealt with municipal issues traffic court and nonsense like that so obviously there was a romantic linking or inkling here that led to them becoming romantic and the taxpayers of fulton county deserve better well look let's face it the taxpayers of fulton county (laughs) deserve better than Fawny Willis, and they certainly deserve better than this case. But my point is, if you are pursuing litigation, if you're pursuing a case against somebody, you have an obligation to your office to to use the best qualified people, the most qualified people to do that. So while selfishly, like I said, I'm happy she didn't, that's not what her, 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 the oath of office she took to the people of Fulton County. That goes against the notion of that. So... You know, that alone right there, I think, is enough to disqualify her for that. Uh, 855-839-1210. Here's another strange answer. Nathan Wade was asked if he remembers paying for a cabin for him and Fawny Willis in Tennessee. This is, 
again, strange, strange question. And of course, now, you know, the allegations that, that Fawny Willis may have financially benefited from this relationship with the lead prosecutor who was not qualified to be the lead prosecutor. Cut number three. I'm asking you to go through a thousand pages of records. I'm asking if you remember paying for a cabin six months ago in Tennessee. No. You remember booking a cabin? I booked lots of cabins. Did you go to a cabin with Miss Willis ever? Ever. Ever. Come on. Come on. No. You've never gone to a cabin with this. No. Um, that went glamping. Have you ever gone to Tennessee with Miss Willis? Yes. Okay. When was that? That was around 2022, early 2022. Early 2022? Okay. It was a, it was a, a day trip. Um, okay, so you didn't spend the night. Would, so it was a day trip. Okay. We would drive there, have lunch, drive back. Um, the reason we would do that is because the attention she couldn't get any peace of mind going locally. So. We'd get in my car and, and drive to someplace off the beat path and have lunch and drive back. Okay, now, according to Apple Maps, thank you, Matt. <laughs> what, <how> did, <laughs> Detective DeSantis over here, I love it. I was curious. All right, so what does it say? So Apple Maps says that right now, if you were trying to drive from Atlanta, Georgia to Tennessee, it would take you four hours and two minutes with traffic. <laughs> so basically... <laughs> They would sneak off for little daytime <laughs> soirees four hours away. So like eight hours of driving plus lunch. So like a nine hour lunch. Plus lunch plus. <laughs> Afternoon delight. Yeah. Gonna find my baby. Gonna hold her tight. Gonna some afternoon dinner. One of the funniest scenes in Arrested Development is when they're singing that song. Remember, do you remember that scene? When um, Jason Bateman's singing that song with his daughter, and he's like, well, this is awkward. Remember? Do you remember that scene? That's a great show. That was a great show. You got yourself a stew. Uh, all right. Well, let's do this. Let's. Um, she, she's very angry right now. She's, she's, Fawny Willis is very angry. She just said, I am not on trial here. I am not on trial. And she says, a special prosecutor is my friend now. So I guess the romantic relationship may be over. I don't know. Who knows? But um, she's. Uh, wait, here, jump in here for a second, guys, if you could. Go ahead. Uh, Did it end is the question. My respect for him has grown over these seven weeks of attacks. Uh, we are very good friends. I think but for these attacks, it would have been a friendship that as life goes, he would have stopped having. Um, I think that you have cemented that we'll be friends to the day we die. Right. <clears throat> that, uh, let's, Could we just have an answer to the question? I'm, 
can handle this. Just say that. Let's she, have it. She asked about a personal relationship. She asked when the romantic relationship ended. That's the question. It sometime in, um, I'd say late summer of 2023. So I don't believe me and um, so this is what you're really asking about. This is the salaciousness of all of this, right? No, I'm just uh, asking about your romantic relationship. When you stopped dating. I, asking. I, I think that me and Mr. Wade, so he's a man. He probably would say June or July. I would say we had a tough conversation in August. So that men in relationships at the end of physical intimacy, women in relationships when that tough conversation takes place. And where, um, when did he come to, I guess, the condo? I'm not sure what you call the condo. But actually, he's a relationship expert, Would he too. come and stay at that condo or visit you there? I'm sorry, visit you there. What condo? Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. So I'm just not saying. your house. I know you classified one as house and one as condo, so I'm trying to use those terms. Uh, Men consider relationship over when the physical ends. Women consider it over when the tough conversation happens. More precise question. Please give me the time period. (laughs) Mr. Wade visits you at the place you laid your head. When has he ever visited you at the place you laid your head? So let's be clear, because you lied in this. this, Let me tell you which one you lied in. Right here. I think you lied right here. No, 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 no. This is the truth, Judge. And this it is a lie. It is a lie. Ms. Will, Mr. Sena, thank you. We're going to take five minutes. Be back in five. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll come right back. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Listen, Emmons Roofing and Siding, my great friends at Emmons. Have you had any damage to your home with all these winter storms? Call my friends at Emmons today. Emmons has become your one-stop shop for all of your roofing, siding, windows, solar, and bathroom and kitchen remodeling. And I've used them for just about all of that. I've used Emmons, our previous home. We, they did the roof, windows, doors, siding, and then they renovated our kitchen and our bathroom for us. At our new home, they've replaced skylights for us, and they're going to be doing much, um, uh, a bunch of other work as well. Emmons can install a new bathroom in as little as one day. You heard me right. One day. Have the new bathroom you want in as little as one day with minor interruption of use and minimal downtime. Trust the team at Emmons that I have used in my home for a bunch of projects. Do you have a property at the shore? Well, have the team at Emmons come out and take a look at the roof now because small winter leaks now can lead to big costly repairs when the warm weather hits. Call 856-556-3229. Excuse me. Try that again. 856-556-3229 today for a free estimate online at EmmonsRoofing.com or visit the Emmons Design Showroom in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. That's EmmonsRoofing.com. You're going you're gonna to be very happy with the work they do. Matt and Stephanie, the entire team, you can trust them. They'll do a great job for you. Tell them I sent you, EmmonsRoofing.com. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. My motto's always been when it's right, it's right. Why wait until the middle of a cold, dark night? When everything's a little clearer in the light of day. And we know the night is always going to be here anyway. Ready? Thinking of he's working up my appetite, looking forward to I'm having way too much fun with this. I'm having way too much fun with this. This is great. Oh, come on. You can't turn it down now. Come on. Sky rockets in flight. Ah, ah. Afternoon.
Forney Willis's uh, case against Donald Trump. The the uh, the end is near. This is great. Uh, I'm gonna we're gonna take a quick break and come back. She's back on the stand. This is fantastic radio. So don't go anywhere. I do want to quickly tell you about Dr. Mike Venaria. Great friend, great guy, great dentist. My dentist, the master of dental implants. And he will give you the smile you deserve. So just go to VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. He has two offices to serve you in Cinnaminson and Woodbury, both right over the bridge. And for over 10 years, he's been recognized as a top dentist by his peers. And he is the master of complicated dental work. So if you've had uh, an estimate for dental work, get a second opinion with my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria. He's an honest guy. The office is great. The staff is great. Great music playing. Uh, you will love him. And he is our family dentist. We've been using him for years. The entire family goes to Dr. Mike Venaria. And yes, Mama Zioli discovered him. So go to VenariaDental.com today. VenariaDental.com. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. The uh, trial continues. Uh, Fawdy Willis on the stand testifying about her relationship with Nathan Wade, the prosecutor in the case against Donald Trump. And it's ugly. It's so ugly. Oh, it hurts me. It's so ugly. Um, 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. The question is whether or not they had a relationship, (coughs) uh, a sexual relationship prior to uh, Mr. Wade joining the case as an unqualified prosecutor. If the answer is yes, there's no question about a conflict of interest. If the answer is no, but they think that they're lying, then the case is over. I think either way, the case is over. And I've been telling you that for a while. But anyway, um, we're going to jump in here. It's the top story of the day. It's brought to you by my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. She's going on about the trip. She's, she's a hostile witness. The judge has said he's going to strike testimony. This is a, a total S show. But it's great, and I'm loving this because I love the fact that this case is blowing up because they never should have brought these charges against the former president, ever. It was stupid. It was an overzealous prosecution. It was ridiculous. And um, it's a joy for me to watch this blow up. I'm really enjoying this. So, uh, yeah, take a listen here. Ms. Cross will have plenty of opportunities to let you clarify your answers when it's her turn. Thank you, Judge. This is a Trump's attorney. You know that public funds are scrutinized and money is scrutinized and things like that. You understand? I'm sorry. Go ahead. You understand you're under a microscope. You have reporting requirements, all of those types of things. Um, You have no record other than your testimony of the money that you've given Mr. Wade. You've already asked that question. Let's keep going. Um, When you took office, you had a tax lien of $4,600. Did you pay that with cash when you made that tax lien hole? I probably paid through uh, <coughs> however you pay. Okay. So, but you were saying that you had amounts of cash. You still had that lien in 2022 when you were dating Wade and going on these trips. So, the cash that you gave him, that could have been used to pay this tax lien off? You're going to tell me how to pay my bills? I object. This is not relevant as it relates to why we're here today. Ms. Merchant, um, if you, are you trying to establish that she was insolvent in some way? 
Um, I definitely was trying to establish that, that she did not have these mass amounts of cash that she's talking about, yes. All right. Ask the, re-ask the question. Um, you had a tax lien in 2022, $4,600. Did you say I did? And you did not use this cash that you had to reimburse Mr. Wade to pay that off, correct? No. Okay. I went shopping, too, when I didn't pay it all. And you talked about, uh, you, you, gave an, you gave a lot of interviews to some authors of a book called Finding Rest, right? I would not characterize it as a lot. I probably have spoken to them no, two or three times. My question is relevant as to... I think it's already come up that finances are discussed in the book. I'll overrule that. Thank you. Ms. Wilson, you can continue your answer. So in her book, she claimed that she was basically destitute before she became district attorney. So the question, of course, is, did she hire Nathan Wade? They're sleeping together, and he's basically funneling money to her. That's really at the heart of the question. Her own finances, and that's at issue. So you gave interviews to the authors of this book, correct? Once or twice. Okay. And um, just to be comprehensive, I don't know if it was three times, two or three times, I think. You were quoted in the book, and I will give you a chance to say if this is a misquote. You were quoted, I re- when they asked you about if you wanted to run for office for DA, you were quoted, I really don't want to be financially effed up again. Do you remember saying that? So what that refers to, so that- My question there- first is if you remember saying that. I remember saying something similar to that, but I would like to be able to explain what that's, that's in fine. reference to. That's not um, in reference to anything else. It was a huge sacrifice to be district attorney in Fulton County. Oh, huge. huge. I was doing just fine. I had a municipal court judgeship that was paying me a hundred something thousand dollars a year. And like, you got to show up twice a week. It, easiest thing I've ever done in life. I also had. I mean, sucking at the taxpayer teeth is good money if you can get it. Am I right? Am I right? To represent what? them, so I was able to have a law practice and that. Um, raising two daughters by myself, there were times in life where things were hard, and so I was telling people. I Why'd you shake your head? I, I said teeth. That is a that is a animal. It's not the word that I think it is. Oh, shaking my head at Fanny. Oh, all right. Making money at the law firm. And I'm not sure that I want to make this sacrifice. And why does it always have to be me? Um, eventually, I prayed. I think that I was the appropriate person. I think that I did that. So when you're referring to that, what I'm saying is, I, why should I make a sacrifice again? And what I was not talking about is being district attorney. Once you get elected district attorney, you're, you're in a fine financial position. I make over $200,000 a year. What I was talking nice. about is I ran for judge. When I ran for judge, I took $50,000 of my personal money out of my retirement. And that money ended up being lost. And I know when you bet on yourself, you're going to have to bet money on yourself. And so what I was talking about was not wanting to go through the personal financial expense of running for office. By no means did I think that I was going to uh, be financially in a bad position once I won. Let's talk about what I was up against because it's important to understand that comment. I had a district attorney who had been here for 24 years. And Judge, People, no, 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 this is her, it's very relevant as to what my mindset was about this. So I'm trying to answer your question. So what I was saying is I... Taylor, solely to finance. Right, but it, it is about my finances. About if I, I didn't, nobody put me in this seat. So I had already run for office once. I had spent $50,000 of my own money running. And it was vamoose, nothing. And so when I'm talking to those offers, I'm talking about the contemplation of the sacrifice of the run, not the sacrifice of once you become DA. 
the odds were against me. I was likely going to lose uh, the election based on who I was running against. So that needs to be in the, the appropriate context. Isn't it true that the authors also wrote, and you can dispute this if, if you'd like, um, that you were broke after that race? The 2018 race? Yes. Yeah, that was, that was a hard race. I wasn't broke like I didn't have any. So broke is relative to depending where you are, but that hurt to lose that $50,000. So I'm sure my mental mindset was like, I just gave $50,000 away. Right. So they characterized it from their conversations with you that you were broke. You had poured your own money into the campaign and you weren't able to pay your own bills because of your, I'm sorry, your clients couldn't pay their bills to you and you had a paltry array of family and asset forfeiture cases. It says you were trying to make it month to month. Um, is that an accurate depiction of your financial situation at that point? I would want to read that, but I, I don't... You wrote I it! For clients not being able to pay their bills. You wrote that! What do you mean you gotta read it? Yeah. You may. She, she played the card of, I'm, you know, look at me, book. I'm a poor, poor, corrupt public official, like from Casablanca. And I'm making this wonderful this sacrifice for you, the people of Fulton County. So I can make two hundred thousand dollars a year and go on eight-hour day trips for with so, my boyfriend so like on afternoon delights. And Fred have run into a financial. Did she ever take any no personal time during those trips? Is what I want to know because if it's four hours to get there and four hours back, and you're having lunch and you're having relations, that's a whole freaking day right there. What did she take the day or not? That's what I want to know. That's a legit question. I mean, it's one thing to run to the Holiday Inn down the street, you know, from the courthouse for an hour <laughs> during your lunch break. This was a whole day affair. I mean, no pun intended, but am I right? I thought I had a law practice. So this is not correct. I mean, you did you did the, the calculations on that. What am I missing here? You drive to... Yeah, you drive there. According to Apple Maps right now, if you wanted yeah. to get from Atlanta, Georgia to Tennessee, just the state in general, right. the closest point, um, it would take you four hours with traffic. And then I would imagine you'd have to drive four hours back. Right. And if, in fact, they were just eating lunch... I don't know. An eight-hour commute for food seems a bit much. Yeah, but you know how good that food is in uh, Nashville. <laughs> so good, delicious. But I am certain that after the 2018 election, um, I'm still not really happy about having given up that fifty thousand. You know when you paid your tax lien? I don't. You don't. Do you know if you paid it? I know I've paid some taxes. I don't know. Again, the question here, the issue is, um, um, did you tell when Nathan Wade County, was giving her cash, County commissioners about your relationship was he giving her Wade? cash to really reimburse her no. for the travel they took together? Or was to Nathan Wade taking the money that she was paying him and giving it back to her? Which case, now you no, have a whole so. other improper relationship um, and as the issue. Chief Law Enforcement Officer of Fulton County, I assume that you're familiar with the county code and ordinances? I've said we're not going to cover that in this hearing, Ms. Merchant. Um, I'm sorry, Judge? We, I th we said we weren't going to cover the uh, county regulations. Okay, and I, I, I won't. Um, let me ask you this then. So are you aware that you're required to disclose any relationship with someone that you contract with in Fulton County? Would this be different because it's a potential for impeachment? Yes. What did you ask me? I'm so, um, Mr. Merchant, if you could re-ask the question. Okay. Um, <laughs> Are you aware that Fulton County requires you to disclose any relationship with someone that you're doing business with? I'm not aware, and I'm, I know often that time things are confused with 
state constitutional officers in county, but I'm not aware. Okay. So it's not your, so it's your understanding that you don't have a duty to disclose the relationship. She's answered that question. Let's keep going. Um, did you keep track of this cash that you paid him at all? What are you talking, I don't understand. Did you keep track? Did you keep a ledger? Did you keep track of it? So I've only given him cash, as I mentioned, three or four times. There's no ledger. This is friends handing money off to each other. So the answer is no. Ah, and I think that. you've already asked whether there was any written proof whatsoever, and she's yes. answered that. Okay. There's no proof. So we've covered this. Let's move on. Um, and this is uh, Fawny Willis, the... Referring to when you suggested that Mr. Roman's motion to disqualify was racially motivated, we already said we're not talking about the forensic misconduct that's been alleged. Okay, and okay, and just so the record is clear, I don't believe I said that his motion was racially motivated, so I don't want that to stay there. I've never said his motion was racially motivated, so that uh, that should not be close. true. I think it would be best if we don't need to go down that road. Uh, we're going to save that for argument. Um, you once said that you would not engage with a personal relationship with anyone that worked for Fulton County. Is that correct? Yes, we just uh, played it. An employee? Anyone that worked for Fulton County. I think I said an employee. Okay. So that's the qualification you give an employee? You wouldn't. I think that's the statement that I made. So if you want to quote me, quote me accurately. Because technically he wasn't so an employee, he was a consultant. It's your position because so. Mr. Wade was not an employee? Or it's your position he wasn't an employee, correct? Mr. Wade is not an employee, and he will tell you that over and over again. So now we're into semantics. Was he an employee or was he not an employee? Semantics. I'm sorry, the statement just so I make sure I accurately quote you. What you said was you won't work you won't sleep with people who work under you. Do you not consider Mr. Wade working under you? I consider Mr. Wade to be an agent. Oh he was under her, all right. Think of him as your point, whatever merit it has, uh, Ms. Merchant is on the record. Next question. All right. Do we need any moments in, in a minute? Oh, oh, we need a minute, Judge. Yeah, I'm ready to go, Your Honor. All right. Oh, uh, we are ready to go. I like this guy. I think is this uh, is this the guy who was grilling Wade earlier? One of Trump's attorneys. Yeah. I'm going to try to ask you questions that you can actually answer <laughs> without having to explain. <laughs> Okay. Yes, sir. My comprehension skills are pretty good, so we should do all right. We shall soon see. If I heard you correctly, you moved into what I will refer to as the Yurti condo in either March or April of 2021. Is that correct? Sometime between late February and April. Yes, I don't. Just so we're clear. Yes, but in that time period, you're you're in the ballpark. We're in the ballpark. Okay. And is that? Yerti condo, would you say that it is in Hapeville? It is in Hapeville, yes, sir. And you moved in there for safety reasons? My father, uh, <laughs> yes, I moved in there. My, we were concerned. My father was terribly concerned about me continuing to live at the house. And it, so they were clear, people came to my house at 5 o'clock in the morning um, about the police brutality cases, saying I was going to have a wake-up call. Uh, there were security threats due to gang cases. And there were concerns due to... Just so you know, home. they've taken a lot that of trips together. Of this, and into the that. alleged and so financial gain with her paramour was happening, as the legal term for somebody who's and, um, engaged in an extramarital affair. Okay. So 
The answer to the question was yes for safety reasons. Royal Caribbean Cruise, Aruba Trip, Bahamas Cruise, Royal Caribbean Cruise, Aruba Trip, Bahamas Cruise, Belize Trip, Napa. Those are just some of the trips. She moved into this condo, the RT condo, for safety reasons, right? Yes. Okay. At the time that you moved into the condo, be it from February to April of 2021, yes. was your father still living in your house? Right, because my father... I, that's yeah. all I ask you. But I, I get to explain the answer, sir. I, I don't know if there's an explanation. If I ask you, was your father still living at your house, the answer is either he was or he wasn't. Yes, but you are going to get to argue at the end of this, as we both I'm know. I'm not going to argue so anything. I'm going like to ask... I'm going to explain why. I'm going to... So, okay. yes, because my father is an older gentleman, he was worried about COVID, and he stayed. Ms. Willis, I'm going to have to say this second time. Whenever we have to put a pause, we stop testifying, okay? You'll have a chance to explain yourself. The question was whether your father was not staying there at the time, and... You're clarifying that in your answer as well. You can have a brief clarification, but it shouldn't be something that reaches well beyond the question. All right, Mr. Sadow, you can re-ask the question. We'll see where it takes us. Okay, thank you, Your The judge is losing Was his patience with her. still living in your house at the time you moved to what I would refer to as a yurti condo? Yes, sir, he was due to his concerns related to COVID. Okay. The safety concern was that there was potential danger at your house. Is that correct? Yes, my address had been exposed, so yes, there was. I think the, the question is: Is the condo a love shack? Am I right? Okay, so Am I right? Is that what the judge is getting at? In the time period, Matt DeSantis, I think it's it was it a love shack? Was still in. Well, danger, the love correct? shack yeah, well, is no, no, no. a little. <laughs> I think you have to. Uh, it's your attorney, Ms. Willis. Um, sorry, Mr. Potty, your objection is speculation. Yes. To the question of speculation. whether someone was still in danger at her condo. I can, re- I can. Just let her answer the question. Or Mr. Uh, Sadon wants to rephrase. No, I, I, I'm not I, sure. I was able to I've understand it. A, I've got the objection, and then I have. I'll withdraw the objection. Before. Okay. So, and I'm going to remember the question so I can answer it. Well, you, you can now that the objection's been withdrawn. Can you try to answer that question? Yes. There's still a safety concern I was, for people staying at the house. I Yes, I was very concerned about my father still living at the house. However, if you have dealt with an older gentleman, he was not leaving the house, despite my urging him that I thought he should leave as well. He did not want to leave the house because he was particularly worried at his age about COVID. But that became a... Uh, I don't want to say a, uh, I was not happy with that decision of my father's, but I can't ultimately make him leave. And he stayed there too long, in my opinion. Okay, thank you. During that period that you left to go to the Yerti condo, yeah. did any of your children stay at your house? So I don't. Uh, I don't think that they were there at that point. Certainly my baby wasn't there. I'm talking about this entire period. We're talking about, if I remember correctly, and you'll correct me, I'm sure, you said that you stayed there at what I would call the Yerti condo until January of 2022, correct? Yes. Okay, so I'm asking you in that period, which would be February to April of 2021, until January of 22. Did any of your children stay at your house? And you don't have to yell at me. I'm able to understand. I, 
personal, I would ask you to not yell at me. I don't think he's that yelling being at you. said, I don't actually expressly remember, but I can tell you, since I have left my home, there have been times my oldest daughter came in. But I can't tell you with certainty the time window that you've said, if they did or not. And so I don't want to speculate to that. But there was some time that my oldest daughter came back. Whether it was that period or after I left the Yodi residence, I'm not sure, okay? Okay, so the, if, if I continue to go into more detail on this, you're not going to be able to give me an answer of whether or not, in fact, any of your children were still at the house or stayed at your house during that time period, correct? What I can give you clarity of so that we are clear yes. is from the time I moved out in February-ish of 2021, um, after I left there, there was a time period that my oldest daughter came back. But if you're asking me, was it in that window? When did she after, hire Nathan Wade? I just don't Matt, have exactly. Of that, you, you know, know exactly the, the date that he started. And, and so I don't remember the specific time period. Because this is why the attorney is getting into the time the period here. Condo. And whether or not uh, the condo was a love shack. Like maybe a night. Like she was so afraid of being at the house, but, with, but she yeah. let her father stay there, her kids stay there. Stay with you at the Yerti mean? condo, including Miss Yerti. Never. Miss Yerti never lived in the condo. She met her husband and they moved. They weren't quite married, but they moved. Nobody ever lived with me in the condo. That was a, that was a love my show. Word was, my word was stay, not lived. That, stayed that, with you at stayed. the condo. I guess I don't understand the distinction, but no one ever. My, I think my baby's my oldest child. I think she spent one night with me, maybe my oldest and my youngest. But I think that whole time I was in that place. So he was hired in November of night, 2021. She's in the um, condo really prior to November like, 2021. And the question the is, maybe did Nathan night. Wade visit her at the condo? Baby sitting on the couch where the love place. shack may and have been. I'm thinking she spent that night. But yeah, I think the argument is, okay. she says she moved out of the house because she was afraid. Did... Nathan Wade there you go. visit you at the Yerti condo from the time you moved in until he was hired on November the 1st of 2021. So I moved out uh, of that condo, but during that time period, he, yeah, I'm sure he came to visit. Uh, <laughs> he came to visit. I can remember us going, I think the restaurant's lickety split. I can remember him picking me up, going to look at these split and eat, ordering some food and coming and sitting at my table and eating. So I remember times that he visited me at that condo, yes. Okay, could you give us an approximation of how many times Mr. Wade visited you at the condo between the time you moved in and prior to November 1 of 2020? I don't think often, but I don't, rem I don't want to speculate. Remember, he's married during this period. More than five, more than ten. So, is the condo a way for them to have a relationship? I'm going to tell you the problem I'm having here. Yes. Let's say more than ten, but I'm not sure that that's even accurate. Uh, he certainly has come and picked me up. You want to grab some food to eat? Oh, he's picked you up. I, I don't remember right. him being in that condo a lot. Yeah, he wasn't very memorable. But I'm sorry. <laughs> you want a number and what I don't I mean, want to give me your, your current and best recollection is all I'm asking for. That's all I can give you, sir. How many times did any of the prosecution team, how, long, how many times did Anna Cross come to that condo between the time you moved in and November 1st of 2021? 
don't think Anna's ever been to that condo. No? What about any other prosecutor that's involved in the prosecution of this case? I don't think any of them have. No. Just Mr. Wade. Just Mr. Wade. Because it's a love shack with a little... Uh, but it was a lonely time. It was a lonely, lonely time. time. But, yeah. That 2021. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have a lot of guilt about this time period in my life. Let me tell you why. Oh, here we go. It was a lonely time. Okay. I was very appreciative to the citizens for giving me this responsibility and this duty. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But what I very, very quickly learned yep. is that this is a very isolating job. Oh. And 2021 was a lonely time. I turned oh. 50 in 2021. That's probably one of the worst birthdays I've ever had. I, I spent it alone. So I have a clear recollection of 2021 being lonely. Okay. Did Mr. Wade ever um, visit you at the condo, the time period I'm talking about, prior to November of 2021, when Miss Yerty was at the condo? So Miss Yerty and me, were, we didn't share the condo at the same time. So the answer would be no. But we never stayed there together, so it's an well, impossibility. Saying, it's an impossibility. Yeah. Okay. Now, Miss, so that Miss Yerty, because we need to get clarification on this. Miss, you already stayed in that place. Let's understand something here. Time that me Nathan Wade's married during this visit, entire like period. Saw Ms. Yerdy, she has a house. Me and Miss Yerdy, they have a condo. Just so we're clear. And now the question is: Was he was paying for the condo? Try again. Okay. Was okay. Miss Yerdy still living in the condo when you moved in? Not a day. Okay. So what I'm talking misrepresentation in this. We never lived together. I, I never lived with Miss Yerdy. Okay. My question, though, I'm trying to understand. Okay. That after you moved in yes. to the condo, yes. T had been, she was out of the condo, right? He's out. Right? He's she in. a house. Uh, That's all I'm asking. She's not in the condo. She is. We never stay, Miss Yerty and I never stay a day together in the condo. All of her stuff was out of the condo and all my stuff, some of my stuff, not all of it, obviously, was moved into the condo. So we never stayed there together. No, sir. All right. So when... I ask you about Mr. Wade visiting the condo yes. when you were staying there. Yes. Miss Yerty wasn't staying there, correct? That would be correct, yes. She wouldn't be at the condo, correct? No, she would not have been. It would be you and Mr. Wade alone at the condo, correct? Yes. That is, there weren't any other witnesses to Mr. Wade and you at the condo, correct? Yes. No security. None of your security detail. Don't object. She said it was just her and Mr. Wade. You made your point, Mr. Sadow. Let's move on to the next one. Yes, Your Honor. <laughs> Who in the prosecution team prior to, I guess, the motion being filed by um, defendant? All right, we got to take a quick Roman. break here. Who in the Basically, uh, we're getting a very curious timeline. She's at this condo. She's all by herself. Nathan Wade comes to visit a bunch of times. Uh, he's married uh, prior to November 2021, obviously. And were they, you know, um, what's, a, what's the proper legal term for it? Knocking boots, I believe, is the proper legal. I want to use legalese here. Were they, <laughs> were they knocking boots at the love shack? Love shack, baby. That's the question. By the way, I want to wish uh, our, our buddy Lenny Dykstra a, uh, uh, our best wishes. He's, he had a stroke. Uh, New York Post reporting that Lenny Dykstra is out of the intensive care unit and resting at a Los Angeles hospital after suffering a stroke earlier this week. And so um, hope to best to Lenny, who follows me on Twitter and 
we've sent each other a lot of notes over the years, so um, hopefully he'll be okay. And um, we'll wish him all the best. All right, uh, 855-839-1210 is the number on Twitter, at Rich Zioli, if you want to weigh in. Now listen, uh, Cherry Hill Volvo, my great friends on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. I saw them recently, just a couple days ago, as my father-in-law went and bought a beautiful new, or at least I should say, a beautiful new, sorry, it's my son's, uh, his switch group where they always play the switch together, including my nephew. And I do want to murder my, but it's my nephew. So I can't do that because obviously it would be killing my own nephew, but they don't stop. <laughs> and it's just, you know, and I'm not home today. I'm actually, I came into the studio, so I, I can't even go upstairs and, and kill my son. I'm very tempted to do right now as well. My wife's in California. So, um, <laughs> sorry about that. Anyway, uh, can't make this stuff up, right? So anyway, so my father-in-law, who's in town this week, helping me with the kids. We took him over to Cherry Hill Volvo. His lease was up, and he got a beautiful new XC40, gorgeous blue color, and he was very happy, and he told me, they, he said, already two calls from them, following up, making sure everything's good, everything's okay, the app's working great, all the technology. Uh, he had a tremendous experience there. So will you at Cherry Hill Volvo. They are open. They're going through a renovation, but they're open and they have ample inventory and they're ready to meet you today. Now is the time to get the luxury vehicle you deserve, a Volvo from Cherry Hill Volvo. It's a great time to visit with many incredible incentives available. So hurry to Cherry Hill Volvo to get a courtesy S60 Volvo for less than $29,000. That's right, with less than 5,000 miles on it. Cherry Hill Volvo is the most accessible Volvo dealer to Philly and South Jersey right across the bridge. Judith, Yosef, and the entire team look forward to meeting you. Cherry Hill Volvo is where relationships matter, and they prove that every day. They have one of these courtesy S60 Volvos with less than twenty nine, less for less than twenty nine thousand dollars, less than five thousand miles on it. One left, so don't wait. This is your chance. Go see them today on Route seventy in Cherry Hill. Cherry Hill Volvo, where relationships matter. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Atlanta Highway, did you even know that was in that song? Did you realize I, that? I have, I have the lyrics up right now, and I just, I just saw that. I forgot about that. The Atlanta Highway, headed down the Atlanta Highway to Tennessee for an eight-hour lunch. <laughs> oh man you can't make this up i'm having the best day of my life i didn't even know it the day started off really crappy too that's that's yesterday but this is making me feel good it's not schadenfreude here this woman is hell-bent on destroying donald trump and um i'm happy to see that this case is blowing up now and um, good, excellent. And what they're doing right now, the, ju- the, the attorneys for Trump's co-defendants, is they are putting together a very comprehensive timeline of all these times that Fawdy Willis, the district attorney of Fulton County, and Nathan Wade were together. And they're putting all this together and they're making a compelling case that they're lying about when they started sleeping with each other. And that they were sleeping together prior to 2019 when... Uh, when well, he was hired in November 2021. So prior to November of 2021, they were sleeping together, and it certainly seems like it 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 all was there out in the open um, for nobody to see except for her friend, 
who testified to that fact and that they had this secret condo and they would go on these trips together and all these other things. So, you know, I mean, I think you'd have to be an idiot to conclude that they were really just friends during that period. But nevertheless, uh, the judge will have to make this determination. Obviously, this trial, the voters of Fulton County are watching this, I would imagine. And, um, you know, obviously there's the potential jury pool that's going to decide Trump's guilt or innocence if this trial moves forward. And I should also mention, too, you know, if this trial does not move forward with Fawny Willis, if she's disqualified, and I've told you I believe she will be, and I think that that is on the end of the case, this RICO charge, it's such a leap. It's such a leap that I don't think another prosecutor is going to want to touch this thing with a 10-foot pole. Personally, so I think this is this is the end of this case, and I've been telling you for some time. I think it's the end of this case. I'm I, I really I really do, and it's interesting too because Nathan Wade testified earlier today that um, he paid for all the vacations he took with Fawny Willis and his business credit card, and that she reimbursed him in cash, reimbursed him in cash, cash money. But um, the question that the attorney's asking right now is how the relationship ended. And I think it's also relevant too, actually, because obviously this is an ongoing case. This wasn't like a one night stand. This was a relationship that was going on for quite some time here. And they had this tough conversation and they ended the relationship. And the, the, the indictment timeline is also relevant to this. And was Donald Trump indicted while they were still knocking boots or after that tough conversation. And this is an interesting point too, because, you know, if her argument is this was, you know, it was over by the time we indicted Donald Trump, I'm not really sure that that is accurate. And again, I think that might just be another, another lie, but that's how she's going to try to get around this to say, well, we ended things and then we indicted Trump. Then we indicted Donald Trump. And then I brought him on to be the special prosecutor in november of 2021 so we ended things in the summer i indicted trump and i brought my ex-boyfriend on to prosecute the case i still think that stinks to high heaven whether or not they're being physical but i also don't believe that they really stopped you know what i mean i don't i'm not buying that whole thing but she's saying the romantic relationship ended before the indictment was returned yes or no and she says to a man yes this is a here, jump into this here this is interesting here all right, can you grab this? Or was it just a coincidence? <clears throat> Mr. Let's go on and have the conversation. Go ahead. I'm just asking you whether or not it was a coincidence. Had absolutely nothing to do with this. It's interesting that we're here about this money. Mr. Wade is used to women that, uh, as he told me one time, the only thing a woman can do for him is make him a sandwich. We would have brutal arguments about the fact that I am your equal. I don't need anything from a man. A man is not a plan. A man is a companion. And so there was tension always in our relationship, which is why I would give him his money back. I don't need anybody to foot my bills. The only man who's ever foot my bills completely is my daddy. Is there anything else you would like to add to that? No. Sure. But I'm sure we'll talk about it further. No, we're not going to talk about it further. I... All right, no back and forth, Mr. Sedow. Next question. Uh, my next question is something that I would, that has to do with the, what I've characterized as the church speech. Let me just tell you what the question is, because I know that's not Preserve it for the record. Huh? You can preserve the question for the record, but we'll, then we'll move on. That's correct. Thank you. 
when you gave what I've referred to as the Martin Luther King weekend church speech. You know what I'm referring to. A great honor of mine. That's a historic African-American church. Yes, I do. Okay. Did you have handwritten notes with you that you were reading from during the speech? And, and on second thought, Mr. Sadow, because you might have a number of questions about this, why don't we just bullet point what you would want to cover on this to preserve for the record, and then we'll move on to the next topic. Okay. Since I had laid out before that the forensic misconduct. All right, what we can do is we can uh, we, we can jump back in here. Obviously, this is going to be a little bit of, of you know, minutia. She's saying there was always tension in the relationship and, you know, there, there's there's a whole lot to this. Uh, but there are other things going on. I, 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 I assume this is going to end at five o'clock. Usually that would be when this would wrap up. So we'll probably jump in again in a few minutes. But I just I want to mention, though, on the other issue of of special counsels and what's going on, because don't forget the special counsel who looked at Biden and. Um, said that Biden was, uh, you know, hiding his own Easter eggs. Biden criticized special counsel Robert Hur for raising his son's death in their interview. But NBC reported it was actually Biden who introduced the subject. This is NBC chief White House correspondent Peter Alexander. Uh, cut number nine. President Biden became heated, you'll remember, responding to the special counsel's assertion that he could not remember within several years when his son Bo died. Last week, the president criticized her for asking him about it. How in the hell dare he raise that? Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. But tonight, NBC News has learned that her never asked that question, according to two people familiar with the interview last fall. They say it was the president, not her or his team, who first introduced Bo Biden's death. The sources say the president got the date, May 30th, correct, but not the year. OK, uh, Biden was the one who brought this up. All right. That's important. That's important to note. Yes. You know, <clears throat> we played this. We took it live when Fawny Willis said what she said, which is now going viral when I and the quote is when I took out a bunch of money from my first campaign, I kept some of the cash from that. And I believe she said I kept some of the cash from that at my house. And she's going on the, the conversation about drawing cash and then paying Mr. Wade back. And then there's no paper trail here, apparently. And she was just giving him cash and taking out cash and then giving it to Nathan Wade, who's just depositing cash, but he's also getting cash from his clients. And I, I mean, th this whole thing is so stinky. It really is. Um, that I think you'd have to be an idiot to think that there wasn't at least the appearance that she brought him on to this case, paid him a whole lot of cash. He wasn't qualified. And then she was getting some of that back. And maybe the payments back because these trips that they were taking together and reimbursing some of this to him. I, I don't, I, I, it, it maybe not. I mean, maybe the, she wasn't giving him any money because there's no paper trail here. That's her argument that she gave him money back. She paid her own way, but where's the paper trail? And there doesn't seem to be one here. You know, there does not seem to be one. And that again, raises a tremendous conflict of interest because the question becomes, if the district attorney of Fulton County brings on her boyfriend or ex-boyfriend and pays him all this money. And the other question that I have here is 
the timeline of them breaking up doesn't work because of when they took these trips. So let's let's go through the timeline of the trips, right? She said, Matt, you heard her just say that they broke up in the summer of 2021, correct? Uh, yes. Okay. And she said that to a man, it breaks up when the physical stops. For the woman, it's a tough conversation. But either way, she says it was over before we indicted Trump. And that was that was around November of 2021, correct? And the timeline on that? Yeah, if I'm well, not mistaken. They indicted Trump, I think, August 2023. Wade had been hired by um, her office in 2021. OK, so he's hired in November 2021. It's apparently over, but they go on a Royal Caribbean cruise together in 2022. In 2022, they go to Aruba. 22 and 23, a Bahamas cruise. 2023, a Belize trip. So does anyone believe that on that Belize trip, they were just friends? <laughs> 2023 Napa, boy, what a waste of romantic Napa to just go with a boy, with an ex-boyfriend. And I'll tell you, for having such a tense relationship after they allegedly broke up, they traveled a lot together. I mean, usually when you break up with somebody and it was already tense, you never talk to that person ever again, unless you have to, like you have kids or something, you got to share custody. Or, uh, yeah, but you know, you certainly are not going on trips with them. Am I right about that? I mean, I've been married for 16 years, so it's been a while since I've had an ex, but <laughs> at least in my day when I was single, you'd break up with somebody, you didn't go on trips with them. Yeah, isn't that the whole point of breaking up so you don't have to see the person ever again? Yeah, that's literally why you break up. Why would you Why would you break up if you want to keep going on trips together? <laughs> yeah, otherwise, just stay together. You stay together. So what, you, you, we're supposed to believe that they just, at that point, just we're going to have a purely platonic relationship as we go on all these Cruises and share rooms together and share rooms at Napa Valley bed and breakfast. And you don't think two friends can just go on a Bahamas cruise? I, 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 I defer to the when Harry met Sally rule about a man and a woman can never be friends. The sex always gets in the way. But particularly when you've already been romantically involved, you then just don't go into friendship after that. You know what I mean? What about uh, Jerry and Elaine? Well, OK, but technically that time that the two of them slept together is really not in the real Seinfeld that's timeline. That's true. That's true. You know, that's in the early Seinfeld season that they don't really count. And they also had to do it to save the friendship, too. Right. Exactly. So it's not really canon, I guess, in that sense. But nevertheless, I think Jerry Seinfeld, from the show anyway, would be the one who would say, if you break up, why are you going on trips? Who goes on trips if you break up? <laughs> You break up, you're going on cruises. That's not a breakup. That's a trip. I mean, I, 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 the definition of breaking up is I'm not going to go and have sex with you in Belize. <laughs> that's, that's literally what a breakup means. I need the AI Jerry Seinfeld of what you just said. I need AI Jerry Seinfeld to say uh, what I just said. Can we do, can we find, is there an app or something? I used to do a good, I used to do a good Seinfeld. I, I don't anymore. It's been a couple of years, but. <laughs> literally the the definition of you google the word breakup it comes up i will not have sex with you in belize that's literally the textbook definition i'm pretty sure about that is that in webster's or merriam uh right great question 
So I'm not this whole, I'm not buying this. I'm not buying this. Anyway, all right, 855-839-1210 uh, on Twitter at Rich Zioli if you would like to weigh in on everything we are chatting about today. Uh, I got to tell you about my friends at McCall's and Lock Service because they do great, great work for all of us. And they are sponsoring the Travis Mannion Foundation Radiothon again this year. If you have lost your key fob or you need to have your factory remote reprogrammed, transponder keys, chip keys, or any of that repaired, replaced, reprogrammed, uh, go see my friends at McCausland. In addition to major makes, they can also help you with various BMW, Mercedes, Volkswagen, and Audi vehicles. They can help you while you wait. And the best part is they charge up to 50% below what you'd pay at a dealer. They're a full-service locksmith, and they're available for whatever you need, and they are dedicated to delivering superior customer service. So call McCall's in Lock Service today at 610-430-1500. 610-430-1500. Ask to talk to Tom or Chrissy about how they can help you. That's 610-430-1500 or visit them. They're conveniently located on Route 420 in Prospect Park, PA. McCausland Lock Service. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. We might need a little Barry White today, too. Uh, the greater Chris saying he'll be very disappointed in you, Henry, if you don't find a little Barry White. Yeah, that's a good idea. But the ticket to ride is great. I just don't know. I don't understand why you'd break up with somebody and then share a, a, a stateroom on a cruise ship with them if you didn't want to be with them romantically, because it seems like those are some tight quarters right there. You know what I mean? I'm just saying. I've been on a couple of ships. We went to uh, the Zeoli Army. We went to Alaska together. And that was a wonderful cruise. And those rooms were, I mean, they were great. They were nice, but I was with my wife. I mean, if I didn't, like, if we had been divorced, I would have thrown her over the side of the ship. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Or she would have thrown me over. I don't, I don't, I, I don't understand why you go on trips, particularly cruises, though, with your ex. It doesn't seem to make sense. So I'm not buying the timeline. I'm calling Fugazi on the timeline. Did you guys catch that part, too, where she said something about a man is there to make me a sandwich or something like that? What what was that point? That's what Nathan Wade apparently told Fanny Willis. The the purpose of a, a woman is, is to make a sandwich. Make a sandwich? Yeah. Wow. Does, does, does Fanny Willis make a good sandwich? <laughs> Do we know? I mean, I wouldn't ask her. She seems pretty angry. She seems very, very angry. So the questioning right now with uh, the Trump co-defendants, she's on the stand. And the question of whether or not now this conflict of interest exists, this judge is going to decide whether or not Fawny Willis is going to face misconduct allegations. And she may have perjured herself. Um, He may have perjured himself. There's also the question of all this cash, you know, going back and forth or was she really repaying him? Was he paying her? I mean, all of this. And then, you know, she's got this condo, which is clearly a love shack and he's visiting her. But she's acknowledging that they were together during that time period. Then she says that they broke up shortly after that. And then she hires him. But then they continue to go on all these trips together. But she pays her own way, but they go on all these trips together because they're just friends. They're really good friends. But were they friends with benefits is my question. Huh? Were they friends with benefits? That's the question that I have. 
I'm sorry. I I just this is such a dumpster fire. It really is. It's such a dumpster fire. Uh, what are you What are you saying, Matt? What is I'm she doing? Con- I'm so confused by this timeline. Maybe you could provide some clarity. Okay. So Fanny is claiming that the relationship with Nathan Wade ended before Trump was indicted in August 2023. Right. But she launched the criminal investigation in February of 21, and Wade was appointed in November of 2021. According to everything that I'm seeing, but is is anyone really doubting that they were romantically involved before 2021? Like, it, it, no, she said they were involved, yeah. right? Didn't she say that it didn't end until the summer of 2021? Exactly. And her friend and coworker testified that they had been in a relationship since 2019. Right. So, yes, I mean, it, she basically what her argument is: Wade was hired in November of 2021. We were knocking boots in the summer, but it ended, and then I hired him, and then I went on trips with him, but I paid him in cash for all for my fair for my share of the of the travel costs. It seems to me pretty clear that there's a conflict of interest even in her timeline, right? A hundred percent. Because if she's building a case against Trump, sleeping with the guy that she's ultimately going to appoint to be the prosecutor, that right there is a conflict of interest, don't you think? Exactly, yeah. That would be a problem. But then I don't believe it really ends prior to him technically being hired because why are they going on all these trips together? <laughs> yeah, that makes that makes absolutely no sense. You don't oh. break up with somebody and then go on like five uh, wonderful vacations. If you break up, you got to break up. Who breaks up and doesn't break up? <laughs> then it's not a breakup. The whole point of a breakup is to break up. Anyone can say they're breaking up. You have to break up in order for it to be. A breakup. Not bad. That's not the worst side. <laughs> it's not the worst Seinfeld impression ever. I'm just saying. It's not the best either. It's not the best. You're right. But I, again, I'm not Joe Conklin. I'm. You know what I mean. I'm. I'm not. I'm no Jim Kelly. So I can do my. I can only do my best here. But uh, what a mess. Uh, let's. Um, I'm just trying to see this. So they had a private office and there was a contract with Nathan Wade going on here. Um, and now we're getting into the timeline of, of when he becomes a special prosecutor and when that timeline begins. But it seems very obvious, though, from the time that Nathan Wade was hired in November of 2021, they're still at least very, very close friends after that. Here's the other thing, too, I want to point out. If um, you break up with somebody and then you go on trips to all these places together and you pay your own way, does that mean then if you pay your own way that you don't have to have sex? Is that sort of like the implication, the understanding? (laughs) So if you didn't pay your own way, you'd be expected to, you know? I mean, is that that really what we're on? Is that kind of what she's saying? The guy, listen, I paid my own way, so I, I was under no obligation to sleep with the guy. I still had to make him a sandwich, but um, that was it. All right, we got a lot more on this uh, absolute dumpster fire as we enter our 5 o'clock hour here. Um, obviously, I'm loving this, and we will, be, we will be right back. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo 
Apollo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 5.30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli. The Dumpster Fire S show that is the Fawny Willis trial is going on right now as she testifies about her affair with Nathan Wade, who she brought on to be the special prosecutor against former President Donald Trump, and the question of whether or not she's going to be uh, thrown off the case. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Uh, she wrote this book, you know, called Find Me the Votes. And basically uh, within the book, or I don't know, did she write it or she's in the book? I guess she's in the book, right? Um, she goes on about all of her finances and everything like this and why she wanted to be the district attorney of Fulton County and blah, blah, blah. Here's what we know. We know that she and Nathan Wade um, had sex. We know that they had a romantic relationship. The question, of course, is the timing, which will establish whether or not this is inappropriate and that she should be removed from the case. So the question is really, really simple. Did she have an inappropriate relationship with Mr. Wade when she brought Mr. Wade on to be the prosecutor? And it's important to note something. Nathan Wade was not qualified to be the prosecutor in this case. Again, you know, I'm happy she picked him because he's not, he's not an expert in RICO cases. So, you know, selfishly, as a guy who doesn't want to see Trump have to go to prison in Georgia, I'm thrilled that she hired a guy who's not experienced in going after RICO. But she has an obligation to her office, to the taxpayers, to hire competent people. And she didn't because Nathan Wade had expertise in, you know, municipal court, traffic court and things like that. And then he becomes the lead prosecutor in a case to go after the former president of the United States of America under a a RICO charge, which is typically what's used to bring down organized crime. And while I'm personally happy that Nathan Wade was not qualified for that position as the district attorney, she has an obligation to bring on people who can get the case done on behalf of her clients who are the taxpayers of Fulton County. Instead, she brought on her boyfriend and or her ex-boyfriend, depending on the timeline. But again, you'd have to be a fool, in my opinion, to believe that they really broke up in the summer of 2021. And then she hires him in November of 2021 and they start taking all these trips together, but they're just taking trips as just friends and she's reimbursing him cash for all these trips while he's getting paid by her office. So, I mean, you know, there's an old saying, which is I was born at night, but not last night. And there's another saying, which is you can tinkle on my leg, but don't tell me it's raining. You know, I, I you just have to put this together and say two people who were romantically involved and then break up and then go on all of these lavish getaways together. Don't do that if they're really not still having a relationship. And this condo that they had together and you know whether or not he's helping pay for this and this was their love shack. And I mean, th- this this the very fact of the matter is here is that I think that Judge Scott McAfee is is ultimately going to have to rule that this is she can't she cannot continue with this prosecution this thing is too tainted here it's too tainted the the timelines are all messy and clunky and at best at best she brings on her ex-boyfriend 
And then they just, they're, they're truly platonic friends traveling together during the period where they're building a case against Donald Trump and then ultimately indicting him. But again, that timeline contradicts the timeline because as Matt pointed out, they actually started investigating Trump in February of 2021. They didn't break up until, according to her, July or August of 2021. And he's hired in November of 2021. Trump's not indicted until 2023. That means that this investigation's ongoing while they're together romantically, but he's not in her employ. And then it's going on when they're apparently really, really good ex-boyfriend, girlfriend friends traveling on taking trips together and keeping their hands off each other as they, you know, share a bed in the in the cruise room together. Or maybe they got twin beds. I I, I don't I, I don't know, but it just and then you have to believe that and you have to believe that really there was nothing going on. And does anybody really believe that? And now we get into this whole issue of cash and where all this cash comes from. And she said earlier that she took out a bunch of cash from her campaign and had it at her house. Because that's the other question. Where did she get all this money to start paying back? Nathan Wade all these trips and she says well I made a lot of money I make uh, 200 and something thousand dollars a year as a you know as a district attorney I got all kinds of cash I make I make a good living and that is a very good living actually especially when you have the ability to spend all day with your your gumad you know taking these these long car rides and everything like that so uh, so this is what's at the heart of this case right now and her close friend who's no longer her friend testified earlier that their relationship, the relationship with Nathan Wade and Fawny Willis began in 2019. Now, if that's the case then, and it began in 2019, but it didn't end until the summer of 2021, but he was not brought on until November of 2021, then the only thing that you'd have to believe then is that she managed to maintain really close friendship with her ex-boyfriend as they're taking all these trips together. Unless I'm getting something wrong about the timeline, but I don't think I am, Matt, right? I mean, she said they broke up in the summer of 21, right? Uh, I'm not sure. That I don't remember. Um, But either way, it's pretty clear that they were romantically involved at some point during this uh, prosecution of, of Donald Trump, during this indictment. See, that's what I'm trying to understand here. When when she claims that, can you, can you look that up for me and see if see if they have um, see if that answer's out there yet? Because I know that they're posting clips of what she's been saying, but you know, the question about when when this when this relationship ended. Um, and by the way, the judge is very angry at her because she's not answering questions directly. Yeah, that's why it's difficult to tell when for sure she claims the relationship ended because she won't answer anything directly. Yeah. Um, see, I'm trying to figure this out now. And then, and also there's no proof of any reimbursements to Nathan Wade ire, uh, either. Uh that's there's no proof of that she also just said a couple moments ago i'm not going to emasculate a black man she just said that too i'll send you that greg price says that one matt actually if you want to grab it um so the the timeline's all murky the whole thing just stinks here she is talking about her physical relationship and when it ended if you want to hear that. yeah go ahead let's do that some clarity your best recollection was that your relationship with mr wade the romantic relationship uh, ended um, 
You left it in August of 2023. Or 23, okay. That sound right? That's the hard conversation. That's not the... Uh, We've covered this. Next question. And you characterized it as a tough conversation, correct? Yes. Okay. I'm not going to get into the conversation per we se. Should. Well, if he doesn't want to, we won't go there. So, Mr. Sadon, next question. <laughs> you know, it's kind of hard to say no when you've got that opportunity. But all I'm going to say is, it was it pre-indictment in this case? So we know the timeline that the indictment was delivered. Okay. Well, but, actually, and, and, and so that we're so clear, the okay. physical relationship ended pre-indictment. And is that when you were talking about the tough conversation? But. I, the, I'm not sure that the tough conversation didn't happen until after, but the physical relationship. So I'm sure if you ask Mr. Wade, because he's a male, he would say we ended June or July because physical contact ended then. Just in my mind, being a woman, it's over when you have that like hard conversation. That's, I just think women and men think differently. And I think the answer, Mr. Sadow, to your question was she's not sure whether it was before or after the indictment. I'm not, I'm not sure that that was her answer, but let's see if I can get specific. That is what I said. That's what I said. I'll let you... Next question, Mr. Sato. If you need to clarify. Want to say one more? The romantic relationship ended before the indictment was returned. Yes or no? To a man, yes. Well, to a man, yes. To you, no? She's explained this, Mr. Right. Sato. She's explained this. And, did the, and the, did the forthcoming indictment have anything to do with that? Ooh. Or was it just a coincidence? <clears throat> Mr. Let's go on and have the conversation. I'll just ask you whether or not it was a coincidence. Had absolutely or? nothing to do with this. All right. So I, I had the wrong year there. I, the relationship ended in 23. In 21 is when she has the, the condo. That's the timeline. She's got the condo and he's visiting her as a friend. And then she hires him in November of 2021. So the question, well, she said summer of 2023, right? It was what we just heard, 23. Yeah, she said that they broke up before the indictment of Trump in summer 2023, August 2023 to be exact. By some definition, but by other definitions, it sounds as though they may still have been together. It's just right. the physical aspect was uh, now removed from the relationship. All right. Now, the final question here that the attorney's asking, there's not a single solitary document showing that you have withdrawn the cash to pay him back, meaning Nathan Wade. All right, let's jump in and hear this part, because this is interesting. I mean, did she pay him back? Yes or no? I have one question, Ms. Wills. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. In the time period between February 2021 and January of 2022, while you were staying at the Yurdi Condo, did your father ever come and visit you during that time period at the Yurdi Condo? He did not. That's all I have. Thank you, Your Honor. All right. Uh, Ms. Cross, I would imagine you have a number of topics to cover with Ms. Willis that'll take more than 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, I did. Okay. And I think we've reached a stopping point for today. And so, Ms. Uh, Wills, I'd ask you if you could step down now. And I'd uh, also remind you that uh, you're not to discuss your testimony or uh, that of any other witness until tomorrow morning. We'll be back here and we'll begin again at 9 a.m. Can we come on the air at 9 a.m. tomorrow? Uh, we'll do 9 Please? This time tomorrow. Maybe I can just uh, live stream it and just talk over it. 
starting at 9 a.m. Think I can pull that off? <laughs> I could do that. You might get a uh, DMCA'd. They might shut you down. DMCA'd? What yeah. does that mean? Like if you're just talking over on a live stream, like you're yeah. streaming, I don't think they'd let you do that. How could I do that? How could we 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 figure that out? There's maybe maybe you could. I oh, don't no, know. I could. You know what I could do? I could hook up. I have that road my roadcaster. I can take the feed live from Fox News, talk over it on the microphone. Sure, but it wouldn't be live. Yeah, because I I would I, I wouldn't have the ability to. Can I broadcast that at live though? Is the question? Can I do that? You could do like a you could do like a Twitter Spaces or something. I could do yeah I could do that. That might be interesting. I'm probably too lazy to do that, but yeah. I, I may. It's <laughs> why possible. Why are you creating more work for yourself? You have a four-hour show tomorrow. I know. Tomorrow well, we have a four-hour show. time. Damn it. Uh, all right. Well, this is uh, what she said about, I'm not going to emasculate a black man. Here, take a listen to this. Very limited contact because um, Mr. Wade had a form of cancer that makes your allegations somewhat ridiculous. I, I do appreciate the characterization. I'm not going to emasculate a black man, but I'm, I'm just telling you. I'm that. sorry, what? I'm not going to emasculate a black man. Did you understand that? All right, well, I don't think we should discuss track. further. Mr. Sado, next question. Trying to, Your Honor. <clears throat> My wife emasculates me all the time. Do you know that when our handyman Tom was over the other day and he was doing stuff like actual like stuff that I can't do, she had him hang a freaking picture? <laughs> I'm not even joking. I walked out and I said, what is happening right now? She's like, well, since Tom was here, I had him hang these pictures for us. I said, I feel so emasculated right now. That's pretty bad. It's, it's very bad. I think it depends. I think it's a nice no. gesture if she thinks, oh, this is one less thing Rich has to do. But if she thought like you were incapable of hanging the pictures, then yeah, that's, that's kind of... A man can hang a freaking picture. <laughs> well, can you? Yes! <laughs> not straight, but I can hang it. You put a nail on the wall. It's not that hard. Uh, Don Sensland just sent us a breaking news story. Uh, special counsel charges FBI informant with lying to the Bureau about Hunter and Joe Biden. Alexander Smirnov disliked President Joe Biden, according to the Justice Department. He was arrested in Las Vegas after returning from a trip overseas. An FBI confidential human source has been indicted on two counts of allegedly feeding the Bureau false information about President Joe Biden and his son, Hunter Biden, during the 2020 presidential campaign. Alexander Smirnov, 43, who disliked President Joe Biden, was arrested in Las Vegas after returning from a trip overseas. Uh, it alleges that he had been an informant for the FBI since 2010 and provided false derogatory information to the FBI about both Bidens after Joe Biden became a candidate for president in 2020. And that uh, he told the FBI falsely that officials with Burisma, the Ukrainian energy company that Hunter Biden worked for, had told him they hired Hunter Biden because he would protect us through his dad from all kinds of problems. He allegedly told the FBI, again, falsely, that Burisma officials had told him they paid Hunter Biden and Joe Biden $5 million and that it would take investigators 10 years to find the illicit payments to Joe Biden. Now, why is the... This is very obvious, obviously, what what the FBI is doing here. The FBI is doing this to try to destroy the case against uh, Hunter Biden. Because if you can say that the people that are making these allegations are lying and the FBI arrests them, for lying. I don't know how how does the FBI 
know any anything that he said here is false. How how does he how does he know that these things are fabrications? That's what I want to understand. This is what the FBI says here. They say, quote, as alleged herein, the events the defendant first reported to the handler in June 2020 were fabrications. In truth, in fact, the defendant had contact with executives from Burisma in 2017 after the end of the Obama-Biden administration and after the then-Ukrainian prosecutor general had been fired in February 2016. In other words, when Joe Biden had no ability to influence U.S. policy and when the prosecutor general was no longer in office. In short, when the defendant transformed his routine and unextraordinary business contacts with Burisma in 2017 and later into bribery allegations against Joe Biden, presumptive nominee of one of the two major political parties for president after expressing bias against Joe Biden and his candidacy. First of all, how does the FBI know these claims are false? These, these claims are literally what's being investigated right now by Congress. Secondly, how come nobody ever gets arrested by the FBI for making false claims about Trump and Russia collusion or anything like that? And the other point, too, is that and this I remember this guy. This is the guy who said he was overseas and they were he, he didn't want to come back to the U.S. because they were going to arrest him. And he has all the goods on this. This is just a way I think they're trying to just absolutely destroy this guy's credibility is what this is. So that's the way I see this. And how does the FBI know these allegations against Joe Biden are false when they're literally being investigated by the United States Congress as we speak right now? Huh? How? How? I'm just trying to figure that out. How does it, how do the, 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 literally what the, what, what Congress has authorized in their impeachment investigation is all of these claims. So now the United States government has decided that the Bidens were not involved in any bribery schemes whatsoever. And the official conclusion is that we're going to arrest somebody who says that they were so that, so that we can obviously destroy their credibility as a witness. Am I, am I missing something here? Because it certainly seems to me to be what I'm, what I'm understanding here by this. Um, okay. Well, I, I mean, there's going to be more to come on this. No doubt about it. No question about that, but that, thank you, Dawn, for sending that our way. It just broke a short time ago. Un- unbelievable. Um, I have some other stories here and some things I'm not going to mention at the moment, but other things I want to get, you know, I'm going to do, how about this? How about I, um, play this clip, Matt Taibbi, the same people that cooked the intelligence report that Russia interfered with the election also surveilled Trump aides in 2016. How come none of these people get arrested is my question. You make claims about the Bidens, you get arrested. But if you make all these false claims about Trump, you don't, right? You, nothing happens to you. In fact, you get lavish TV contracts and you're able to go on television like John Brennan and, and, and moan about the death of democracy. Like John Brennan and that other, that, that other idiot who's always on TV talking about the end of democracy. The two of them should both be in prison. But here's Matt Taibbi, uh, cut 10. It's hard to verify because, you know, we were told that this special counsel this Durham was going to get to the bottom of it. Are you saying he missed this? We were told that the scope of the Durham investigation was limited um, to a few areas and that uh, he wasn't looking at this particular direction. Uh, the information that we have, the investigation that was conducted by the House Permanent Select Committee on Investigations, uh, of Intelligence, excuse me, um, what they found was a broad political espionage campaign, and there were two main conclusions that are at the center of our uh, reports. One is that at least 26 Trump aides and associates were 
improperly and without predication placed under surveillance in the election year of 2016. And the other one is that these same folks uh, cooked the intelligence uh, for the January 6, 2017 intelligence community assessment saying that Russia uh, interfered to, I'm sorry, conducted an influence campaign to help Donald Trump. Uh, it's a WMD-style story. Uh, they suppressed dissenting opinions and created a false narrative. Okay. Now, none of these people have gone to jail. None of these people ever get in trouble for doing any of these things. Michael Schellenberger telling Jesse Waters last night that the missing classified documents on Obama launching the Trump-Russia allegations could have been the reason for the FBI Mar-a-Lago raid. Now, remember, we speculated this very thing when the, when the raid happened. Do you remember this? I remember this like it was yesterday. When they raided Mar-a-Lago, I remember saying to you, is what are they really trying to get here? Because there's a civil process, and I've explained this before, but there's a civil process when the president, the former president, takes things that the United States alleges is, is United States property, then there's a process, it's a civil process, whereby you go through that to get that property back to the archivist of the United States. Ultimately, the United States is probably going to win, but there's a process, and it's not a criminal one. So when the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago, the question that I had is, what's the rush? Where's the fire here? You know what I mean? Like, what, what, what's the rush? These, these documents are there. What was so sensitive that they had to go and raid Mar-a-Lago and, and, and seize these classified documents? What was in them that would be so urgent? And it certainly was not him drawing a, a battle plan for attacking Iran on the back of a napkin. It goes like, boom, and then there's Tehran, boom, look at that, and then all the blow up. I don't think that that's what they were really after. So. I said at the time, does this all connect the fact that this everything that they did about Trump? Remember, he declassified all this stuff on his way out the door. And then is that what he had in his possession, which was declassified? But it would prove ultimately that, yes, Barack Obama and Barack Obama's CIA were absolutely 100 percent behind the Trump-Russia collusion. And that this was not something that just started because of Hillary Clinton's dossier. The dossier is the MacGuffin to move the uh, plot along, but it's not, it was not really truly the source of this. It was an excuse. And Trump classified those documents on the way out the door. He's, he then says they're declassified. I'm taking them with me. And then I think, and what I said to you at the time was, I think they're very worried he's going to expose all this and then embarrass Obama and ultimately blow the lid on all this. Now, the government says those are still classified. We want them. Trump says, I declassified them. They're my personal records. I'm taking them with me. If the government of the United States and the former president have a dispute over that, there's a civil process whereby that goes through. And remember, we talked about this because there was a case in D.C. involving Bill Clinton's sock drawer, which had classified stuff in it. And the judge in the case, who was a D.C. judge, said you have to defer to the president on whether or not it was declassified because there is not a formal process to declassify something. I said, what was, why would they need to go guns blazing and, and raid the president's, the former president's home? Unless they were something there, they were very worried and they had to get their hands on. And it was not the battle plans to attack Iran, to make, uh, to make them go boom. That was not that. So what was it? And I think Michael Schellenberger's spot on here, cut number 11. What about this binder that encapsulates this whole thing? And no one knows where it is right now or Trump has it. What's that? 
Well, Jesse, we'll have a piece tomorrow that is specifically about the binder. But、uh, as a friend of、uh, of the show and of yours on this, I'll say that there has been widespread speculation that this binder was the was the reason or a reason for the FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago, and we'll be discussing that tomorrow. But obviously, if this binder contains what we have been told that it contains, which may include raw intelligence. Information showing that the U.S. government, the CIA, and the intelligence community of the U.S. government initiated the Russia collusion hoax. That it did not occur in the way that the official story, including the Durham investigation, had portrayed it. Then that's extremely serious information, and it may be if the FBI then went to go get it in order to continue the cover up of this information. That obviously adds an even more dramatic wrinkle to this. Again, we'll have more to say about it tomorrow. But this is a huge, huge story. I mean, I can't. I've been thinking about it in the history of the United States of America. Have we ever had something like this, where the intelligence community was weaponized against a political candidate and weapon and using our foreign allies to do it? I I can't think of a more important or dramatic story. He's right. I mean, and what he put out today. Uh, is uh, the latest on this now? Is that CIA analysts embellished the 2017 report on a Russian influence campaign to help Trump, a Russian influence campaign designed to help Trump by upgrading unreliable sources to reliable, and vice versa. In three to four instances, investigators couldn't find a credible historic reporting line for sources. That's the latest piece that he published at Racket News, which came out about I don't know, like an hour or so ago. Russia didn't fear Hillary Clinton. It was a relationship they were comfortable with. Some CIA analysts believed, but intelligence was suppressed. On the fall of the last great Russia myth, the CIA cooked the intelligence to hide the fact that Russia favored Clinton and not Trump in 2016. And he writes the Trump Russia scandal made its formal public launch on January six, twenty seventeen, when the office of then Director of National Intelligence James Clapper, who should be in prison, published an intelligence community assessment or ICA, dominating headlines and upending the incoming Donald Trump administration. The report declared Russian President Vladimir Putin ordered an influence campaign in the twenty sixteen presidential election. They never used the word influence to denigrate Hillary Clinton and harm her electability, thanks to a clear preference for President-elect Donald Trump. It's powerful stuff and dead wrong. It was a lie. They put that out there so that they would make you believe that Putin wanted Donald Trump to be president. Now, I'll get into this in the six o'clock hour because Putin today came out and said he wants Joe Biden to be president, and I'm not surprised by that. And I'll give you my thoughts on that as well as things go on, but. That's the latest on that, and and you know my Zioli Fugazi sense is usually pretty spot on about this stuff. They went in there and raided Mar-a-Lago because the proof was all there. Trump declassified all that stuff and had it with him, and they wanted it back. And they were they were not going to go through the civil process with the archivist of the United States of America because they didn't want to. They did. They were too worried that they would let him keep it. Or that it would drag on, or that he would do something with it in the meantime. So they went down there and they seized it, and that tells me that there was something in there that they were afraid of coming out. And it was not because it was anything really jeopardizing national security. Give me a break. But、um, I think that that what what these guys have on Earth here it proves that proves that beyond a doubt, and that I was right once again with my suspicion that there was more to this raid than just simply the fact that they wanted all these boxes of documents back. So. 
All right, um, a lot more to say. There's a lot of reaction, obviously, from the Fawny Willis uh, train wreck testimony, Nathan Wade's train wreck testimony, and Donald Trump says definitively whether or not Nikki Haley will ever be his vice president. But before I get to that, and that is, by the way, the big story of the day brought to you by my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, venariadental.com. Go see him today for your perfect smile. He's the best, and he will give you the smile that you deserve. Venariadental.com. Dr. Mike Venaria. Um, NJ Diet's going to help you lose weight. Look, spring is right around the corner. We're talking about, I think it's March 10th when we spring forward, which is great. Uh, your chance to lose weight, feel great, look your best is with NJDiet.com. They will help you guaranteed. And you know what? Their weight loss works faster than all those injections and without the side effects. So if you're ready, let's do this. Their results are nearly twice as fast as weight loss injections without any of those nasty side effects. With NJ Diet, you will lose a contractually guaranteed 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days. NJ Diet uses your hair and saliva along with bioenergetic scans to personalize natural solutions and supplements that get you and your body into the fat burning zone. Then NJ Diet uses your DNA info to help you keep the weight off. So don't take shots the rest of your life. Lose a contractually guaranteed 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days naturally, quickly, and safely with NJ Diet. No hormones, no prepackaged foods, no shots. You even get the doctor's personal email and phone number. So call 855-5-NJ-DIET. That's 855-5-NJ-DIET or schedule your consult today at njdiet.com. njdiet.com. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Can't get enough of Nathan Wade. Fonnie Willis couldn't get enough of Nathan Wade. Lots of trips. And apparently paid them all back in cash. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. We have spent uh, quite a bit of time today on the trial. But um, I want to play you a clip. This is uh, regarding the money. So you see, now, uh, the allegation, of course, is that they went on these trips together. And it was not her using money that was his money, which he was getting paid by through her office for prosecuting Trump. It was just simply a situation where um, she wound up giving him cash. I'm at, I just sent you, I just texted you a clip and she said she would pay back Nathan Wade. I don't know. Maybe you have this one already in cash for their vacations, but didn't go to the ATM to get the cash. Because there's no record. There's no record of any cash withdrawals or anything. So at one point today, she said, I took money out of my campaign. I had a lot of cash at the house. But the first thing I think of is, is that a campaign finance violation? Because you're not really supposed to have campaign cash lying around. I mean, you know, that's not usually typically what you're supposed to do. So there's that issue. But she would she would pay him back. Well, take a listen. Go ahead. Yes, ma'am. So... Let's talk about both of those. I know he initially paid for it. Did you pay him back? For the cruise and for Aruba. Yeah, I gave him his money before we ever went on that trip. You gave him cash before you ever went on the trip? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so when you got cash to pay him back on these trips, would you go to the ATM? No, lady. You would not go to the ATM? No. In my worst days, has probably only been 500 or $1,000. At my best days, I probably had $15,000 in my house at Kate cash at all times there's going to be cash in my house or wherever i'm laying my head 
the money that you paid Mr. Wade, the cash, in October of 2022, you do not know where that money came from. I do know where it came from. It came from my sweat and tears. But yes, ma'am. My sweat and tears. Now, this is interesting to me as well, because earlier she testified that she was terrified of her life. She was afraid for her life, so she had to move out of her house into this condo, which is their love shack, in my opinion. But she's not that afraid to keep up to $15,000 cash in her house at all times. That strikes me as a little bit odd. You know what I mean? She's so worried about her safety that she has to move out of the house, even though her dad's there. The kids go there uh, and she goes to this condo and nobody else goes to the condo. But her and also Nathan Wade comes to visit more than 10 times, but not exactly sure how many times nobody else comes. Just him. Not her kids, not her dad, not the woman who owned the condo, nobody, but her good buddy, Nathan Wade. But they weren't having relations yet at this point, allegedly, we're supposed to believe. And she's so worried about that house that she couldn't stay in, so she had to move into this condo. Remember, Nathan Wade's married during all this, so I think that becomes their their little romantic getaway. Uh, But she doesn't, she's not worried enough that... I mean, you just got 15 grand lying around. And where are you getting all this cash from? Where's all this money coming from? Because where's the proof that you ever gave him money? Where's the proof that you ever actually paid your own way for these trips? If the allegation is, hey, you went to Belize, you went, you went on these cruises, you went to Napa and all these things, and he's paying for it, and you're paying him through your office, then you are enriching yourself through your office. And she goes, no, 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 I paid him back. I, I, I paid for my, my, my share. Well, then... How do you prove that? Did you, did you, is there an ATM receipt? Is there a transaction? Pull up your bank statement, anything there? No, because I had the cash. I had the cash just at my house, just lying around. I just have cash. I just keep cash around. So, I mean, does that pass the smell test in your opinion? Here's another clip of her. Take a listen. County that, that was paid. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about outside of that. Did you ever pay him anything other than cash? I've only given cash a few times in, in the course of what we're talking about. So you've if we would go to dinner, let, him, let her finish her answers. If we would go to dinner, I wouldn't give him cash because he paid for dinner or I paid for dinner. I've given him cash only a few times in life, probably four. Okay. Probably the most money I've ever handed him is $2,500. The least amount of money I've handed him, probably between $500 and $1,000. You never wrote him a check? Ma'am, I don't have checks. Okay. Um, so you have no proof of any reimbursement for any of these things because it was all cash, right? The testimony of one witness is enough to prove a fact. So my question was, do you have I'm any proof? Is that what you're intimating right here? I'm asking if you have any proof that you paid for any I mean, of these The money. proof is what I just told you. You have no written proof. Is that correct? So I have some... Um, Probably some transactions like in Belize. I probably spent $500 on my card uh, in Belize. I spent 800, I can't remember, 900 bucks on each of our tickets to go to Belize. Okay. Now, um, interesting. Very interesting. By the way, is another breaking story. BlackRock. You know the group BlackRock? We've talked a lot about them over the years. They're a big hedge fund group. Um, BlackRock has followed the lead of J.P. Morgan and State Street by withdrawing over $9 trillion in assets under management from Climate Action 100 after facing increased antitrust scrutiny 
over their involvement with a climate cartel. And Representative Jim Jordan tweeted out that he subpoenaed BlackRock as part of the committee's ESG investigation. So that happened today. He said today's decision by J.P. Morgan and State Street are big wins for freedom and the economy. And we hope more financial institutions follow suit in abandoning collusive ESG actions. So they are abandoning the U.N. backed climate group known as Climate Action 100 plus after the group became the target of increased antitrust security. So that happened today as well. And of course, the breaking story is that the FBI informant at the heart of the, the, the bribery allegations against the Bidens has been indicted for false statements. I, I'm amazed at this. I'm amazed at what they're doing here. This is the government trying to destroy the case against the president by going after the guy who says, I, I know that the Bidens were getting rich off of Ukraine and Burisma. How does the government know that he's wrong? How does the government know that? We have not proven that Biden is not not corrupt. They have not proven that. So so how can you say the guy's making false statements? This is obviously just a way to intimidate him and then, you know, destroy his credibility and destroy the case. So you're going to hear the mainstream corporate media tonight parrot that. That'll be the big story. It won't be the phony Willis testimony. It'll be that. FBI informant arrested. Blah, blah, blah. That's I guarantee it. That'll be the that'll be the big story that they all start with at 630 tonight. ABC, NBC, CBS with all their evening newscasts. You mark my words. And then tomorrow, I'm sure on Newsbusters, we'll have a little montage for you because they'll probably do it again in the morning shows, too. And there'll be a little bit of funny Willis, but they'll portray her as, of course, a victim of these evil uh, Trump people who are trying to make her out to be some sort of a of a of a floozy, you know, a floozy. Uh, Donald Trump uh, was asked about Nikki Haley and uh, definitively he put it to rest once and for all that uh, she will never be his vice president. Thank God. Cut number 12. But when I say that Obama is the president of our country, they go, he doesn't know that's Biden. He doesn't know. So it's very hard to be sarcastic when I interpose because I'm not a Nikki fan and I'm not a Pelosi fan. And when I purposely interpose names, they said he didn't know Pelosi from Nikki, from Tricky Nikki, Tricky Nikki. <laughs> he didn't know I interpose and they make a big deal out of it. I said, no, no, I think they both stink. They have something in common. They both stink. And remember this, when I make a statement like that about Nikki, that means she will never be running for vice president. She will never be running for vice president. Remember that. There are things you can say about people. Do you ever see where, you know, you're really hitting one person, they're hitting you, you know, but it goes to a level. But we're at the level now, I am in particular, bird brain and lots of other things. There are things that when you say that you're never going to have her, so... I hope nobody wants her because I think she's absolutely terrible. She's terrible. So you're never going to have her. And I don't think anybody is very devastated. We do have a lot of great people, by the way. We do have a lot. He's screaming. Tim's got. Good. Excellent. Um, glad. I'm glad to hear that. Hey, uh, Nikki Haley was actually asked by John Roberts. You know, why, why are you going through this? Why are you why 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 are you doing this here? Cut 13. Last question. Just on that whole point of South Carolina. New CBS poll. Uh, out uh, shows that Donald Trump is 35 points ahead of you now. He's increased his lead. And here's a question I have. We're just a little more than a week away from South Carolina. 
at the moment, it looks like you're going to go into that contest and lose badly in your home state, which would forever be a cloud over your political career. Why go through with it? So first of all, um, that's what they said before New Hampshire, and I got 43% of the vote. Our polls do not show that. That is not what we're seeing, and we're gonna close that gap. But more than that, you're asking me about my political career. That's the problem with politics. Donald Trump's worried about his image. Joe Biden's worried about his image. I'm not worried about mine. I'm worried about the future of America. Okay, very good. Um, Also, some more breaking news. Special counsel Robert Herr, will testify on Joe Biden and the classified documents and his decision not to charge him. He will go before the House Judiciary Committee, I believe it is. Uh, That will be next month. And that is a story that just broke. So he's obviously the the special counsel who said Biden was hiding his own Easter eggs and was a, you know, kind old man with a bad memory. So a jury would never convict him when he wrote the following. We conclude that no criminal charges are warranted in this matter. We would conclude the same even if there was no policy against charging a sitting president. Our investigation uncovered evidence that President Biden willfully retained and disclosed classified information after his vice presidency when he was a private citizen. The materials included marked classified documents about military and foreign policy in Afghanistan. Gee, how come the FBI didn't go and raid those and get those? It sounds like they could be kind of serious, huh? Notebooks containing Mr. Biden's handwritten entries about issues of national security and foreign policy implicating sensitive intelligence sources and methods. Again, why no FBI raid to seize all those documents? Hmm. FBI agents recovered those materials from the garage, offices, and basement den in Mr. Biden's Wilmington, Delaware home, the report added. But my question is they were there for years, years and years and years. So why didn't the FBI go in sooner and grab all those things? Mm Mm-hmm. And, the, and, you know, the only reason why the FBI went in there and got those things was because Biden and the AG told them to. So that would look like it was even with what they were doing to Trump. But that's not how the government usually handles it. And the proof is the fact that Joe Biden had these documents for years, for years. The report says investigators found Biden's memory was significantly limited when they conducted interviews with the president. Even in recordings from 2017 of conversations between Biden and his ghostwriter, Biden was often painfully slow, with Mr. Biden struggling to remember events and straining at times to read and relay his own notebook entries. Excuse me. In interviews last year, investigators found Biden's memory to be even worse. He did not remember when his term as vice president ended in one interview or when it began in another interview. He also could not remember even within several years when his son, Bo, died. And so they said it would be difficult to convince a jury that they should convict him by then a former president well into his 80s of a serious felony that requires a mental state of willfulness. Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury, as he did during an interview of him, as a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory, adding that Biden is someone for whom many jurors will want to identify reasonable doubt. Uh, Jen Psaki, the snarky former White House press secretary, suggests that Robert Hur should be investigated. Cut 15. You know, one of the points that you've made and, and other legal minds have said about this report is that it kind of goes, of course, outside of the scope of norms. It, it goes, it, his reporting and who he talked to went outside of what would be normal, even for a special counsel. 
Do you think that should be investigated or looked into? Because the judicial system, the judiciary is kind of in a, a, not, a, not a positive view necessarily by the American public at this point. Well, in the role that I have, all I can do is point it out, which is you had an investigation that ran for 15 months, which could have been concluded in just a few months. There was never any question that the president had not engaged in criminal wrongdoing. He was the self-reporting party here. He had turned the documents over upon discovery, cooperated in every respect. And yet somehow in this report, uh, the special counsel felt compelled to engage in this irrelevant, unfounded and often pejorative commentary. And I think it's clear that uh, that commentary is inconsistent with department norms. And let me just make one point. I want to stress it. The special counsel is bound by the norms and policies of the department like any other prosecutor. The special counsel regulations provide that he is bound by those norms and policies. He doesn't have an exemption from them. There's some view that perhaps because he's okay, a special counsel. Okay, well then good. So, so great. So then, so then when he's when he goes before the House committee, they can have at it. And then if the White House really believes that the special counsel messed up here, then release the transcripts, release the interviews, release all of it, just release everything and show everybody and let let people decide for themselves. Um, Sid asked me on Twitter, do you think people formerly in the CIA still working within the CIA doing stuff but not getting a government paycheck? They do what they do because they believe certain things are necessary. I think that they go on to get lucrative consulting deals within the military industrial complex and the swamp and they need to keep that going. So they still do things and they still, many of them have security clearance and yeah, I think that they wind up. Um, it never really ends bottom, bottom line. I don't know if they've officially announced charges yet in the shooting in Atlanta. Uh, it did not fit the narrative though. They were a couple of thugs who were engaged. It appears to be in some sort of gang activity. Um, and I, I, I don't believe the police have charged him yet, but the cops have 24 hours to either charge these guys or release them. And obviously they won't release names if they, uh, until they're charged. So I don't, I don't know exactly. I have not seen any update on that yet, but obviously, you know, the white house is typically making it guns and about, about guns and everything else. And it, it, there's no, I mean, these were, these were street criminals with guns. Probably illegal, I'm going to guess. And there's nothing that you can say that would would have done policy wise anything with that. Uh, New York Times is claiming that the White House clashed with the Justice Department over the special counsel report. They say there was a testy exchange whether whether the Justice Department violated its own guidelines in releasing a report with comments disparaging President Biden. Well, again, you know, this is the point that I made earlier. They can't have it both ways. It's either the report was disparaging of Biden and should be dismissed or the report is accurate. And then it shows Biden had all these documents and 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 then he he disseminated them probably to his son, Hunter. And it probably leads back to Ukraine and that Biden knows a lot more than he's saying. So you can't have it both ways here and they want it both ways. They want it. They want to go on and try to make it about the president's memory. But then at the same time, they want to act like, uh, you know, there's there's nothing to see here. Well, then then if if Biden's memory is great and there was no issue, then release everything. We could have we could see it all for ourselves. It's interesting how they're not doing that. Right. All right. We got a um, fourth and final abbreviated hour coming up. Uh, Russia will be the conversation, including nukes in space. But before I do that, my great friends at Cherry Hill Volvo, 
Uh, I want to thank them for being such wonderful sponsors of the show. You know, we broadcast live from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios. And there is a sensational sale happening over at Cherry Hill Volvo this month. How about a beautiful S60 courtesy Volvo for less than $29,000? It's an incredible opportunity to experience luxury for less. These are courtesy S60s with less than 5,000 miles on them. They are selling right now for less than $29,000. There are a limited number available, so don't wait on this one. Right now, Cherry Hill Volvo is undergoing a massive renovation to their dealership in order to serve you even better. They are open, have ample inventory, and they are ready to meet you today. Now is the time to get the luxury vehicle you deserve, a Volvo from Cherry Hill Volvo. It's a great time to visit with many incredible incentives available. So hurry to Cherry Hill Volvo to get a courtesy S60 Volvo for less than $29,000. Cherry Hill Volvo is the most accessible Volvo dealer to Philly and South Jersey, right across the bridge. Judith, Yosef, and the entire team look forward to meeting you. Cherry Hill Volvo is where relationships matter. They prove that every day. And remember something, there's only one Volvo dealer that stands with Talk Radio 1210 WPHD, and that's Cherry Hill Volvo. So please, remember to stand with them. Because in this age of cancel culture, they are proud to be our studio sponsor. Cherry Hill Volvo, where relationships matter. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHD, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter always live on the free Odyssey app the revolution will be broadcast yes. this is the next generation of talk now on talk radio 1210 WPHT Rich Zioli well, it's over for Fawny Willis. That is for sure. It's over in Georgia, but the criminal trial of Trump begins in New York very soon. Welcome back to our fourth and final hour, an abbreviated hour here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHD, 855-839-1210, or on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Uh, okay, so, obviously, you spent a lot of time today on the Fawny Willis-Nathan Wade situation. That dude was struggling big time in court today. I almost felt sad for him at times, but I don't feel sad for him, not in the least. It was just that he was just so bad on the stand. You know, it was like watching a train wreck. Uh, it's The case is, is, is over. I mean, it's it's really, really bad. Uh, but these people never learn. You know, they never stop. They never stop going after Trump, and they just simply don't get it that all they're doing is making him more popular. So, I don't know. I You know, the New York thing, Alvin Bragg, I mean, you know— what do we know about Alvin Bragg? I mean, here's a guy that has been downgrading felony prosecutions. He's just like Krasner. I mean, it's the same thing. You know what I mean? It's the same situation. You got you have three district attorneys who are more obsessed with getting Trump and getting cops and everything else that I've talked about recently. Krasner yesterday going after a decorated Philadelphia police officer losing in court. Good. Uh, Alvin Bragg. I mean, again, this guy, you know, has downgraded felonies, gone gone after people for uh, for nothing. I mean, really serious stuff. He's let go. And yet he goes after Donald Trump. And then you have Fawny Willis in Georgia, who decided to charge Trump with RICO. RICO. That's what they used to get the mafia, you know, to get big drug drug kingpins and cartels and gangs. Uh, and it's going to be over. But I don't know. Putin may not be happy if Trump wins, uh, at least according to a story from Politico. He said Biden would be better for Russia as president than Trump. 
He said Biden is a more experienced, predictable person. He is a politician of the old school. But we will work with any leader of the United States who is trusted by the American people, Putin said in an interview on broadcast Russia One TV when asked to choose between the two. Now, obviously, the left is going to say, well, of course he's going to say that because Trump works for him. The thing about it, though, of course, is that when Trump was president, Putin never invaded Ukraine. And as as president of the United States, Putin invaded Ukraine when, I mean, Joe Biden's there. So obviously he's happy with Joe Biden. And you think he's worried about all the money that Joe Biden's sending to Ukraine? No. All it's going to do is delay the war. But as we told you yesterday, I mean, Russia is not going to be defeated. So the only way you're going to defeat Russia is if the United States decides to actually use forces against Russia in Ukraine. And Joe Biden's not going to do that. Donald Trump's not going to need to do that. So, yeah, of course, Vladimir Putin wants Joe Biden in there. It makes sense. He wanted Joe Biden in 2020. He knew that if Joe Biden became president, he would roll into Ukraine. And he did. Just like when Biden, when Obama was president, he rolled into Crimea. So, I mean, he's the media can spin this however they want. But the reality is that Putin knows full well that as long as Joe Biden's there, the war is going to continue because Ukraine's going to keep getting money. And I don't know, Putin's doing just fine, financially speaking, just fine. You know, Russia is selling their natural gas to all these countries in Europe that are so apparently afraid of him wiping out Europe that they're still buying his natural gas. Explain that to me. He said, when I met with Biden in Switzerland, it was indeed a few years ago, three years even then, there were talks about him being incompetent. I saw nothing of the sort. Yes, he glanced at his notes. Honestly, I glanced at mine too, Putin said. There's nothing to it. Putin said he is less concerned with his U.S. counterpart's health than with Washington's political position, which he said was extremely harmful and erroneous. Trump and Biden's other Republican opponents have seized on the president's mental abilities to argue he's not fit, blah, 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 blah. White House spokesperson Andrew Bates said Mr. Putin should stay out of America's elections. Well, he didn't because the Hillary Clinton campaign colluded with Russia and the Obama administration colluded with Russia to create a false narrative of Russian collusion against Donald Trump. So, you know, and the U.S. government is looking to unload uh, yachts. And if you got some if you got some money, I'm just saying, you know, you get a nice yacht. U.S. government looks to unload seized $300 million Russian super yacht over $600,000 in monthly upkeep. So you know what the United States did? When Putin went into Ukraine, we said, oh, we'll show you. We're going to seize all the yachts of your super rich friends. And we did. So now the U.S. government asked a judge for permission to sell a $300 million Russian super yacht seized in 2022, citing the fact that it's been costing taxpayers $600,000 a month to maintain. The hefty monthly tab includes $360,000 in payments to the 348-foot vessel's crew. Do you realize how stupid that sounds? We didn't even lay off the crew. We seized the yacht, but we didn't lay off the crew. Well, how could we? I mean, that, that, would, be, that would be mean and cruel. So you and I, our taxpayer dollars, have been paying for, for the crew. Okay. Plus $75,000 for fuel and $165,000 in other maintenance like waste removal and food. Well, who's who's out there yachting on this thing is what I want to know. We seize the yacht. What do we, I don't understand this. First of all, I don't even know if we have the right to seize this, to be honest with you, but leave that aside for a second. But then what do we, we seize it? What do, what, what, what do we give? We give boat rides? 
Did you know about this? Can I can I can I go on the super yacht? Can I take a boat ride on it? Are they offering this? Is there a package? Come visit DC maybe next week when we're broadcasting live from CPAC. Maybe I can take a, a ride on the super yacht. It's called the Amadea. Reportedly belongs to Russian billionaire Suleiman Karamov, an alleged money launderer sanctioned by the United States in 2018 as one of several oligarchs who profited from the Kremlin through corruption and its malign activities around the globe. He's $57. He's worth $9.1 billion. And he built making, uh, he built the money making hefty bets on Russian companies across a variety of industries after the fall of the Soviet Union. He was, the, the boat was seized at the request of the U.S. government in Fiji in April of 2022. Though the cost it has incurred since then shouldn't have to be paid by the American public while the court considers whether to order forfeiture of the vessel. I just, I just don't understand how it's costing us that much money in maintenance every month because what, what are we doing with it? And it's supposed to go into dry dock for repairs in March. I don't understand this. I, I, I really, I mean, I mean, I mean this. It could be a good fundraiser for the United States of America, I guess. Come take a ride in a super yacht. You know, you rent it out for a couple months. Maybe like an Airbnb, like, like a Airbnb on the seas or something. That's not the only only yacht that we've seized, though. The um, There's a $90 million, 255-foot super yacht called the Tango. That was seized in Spain at the request of the U.S. government. The U.S. had hoped that by seizing the property of wealthy Russian leaders, it would punish them for backing the war and influence their future behavior. Should the Amadea be allowed to go to sale, the court's next hurdle is figuring out who actually owns the luxury yacht. <laughs> well, the United States says Karamov is the owner. The American government has also accused him of violating sanctions by making payments that went to U.S. companies or passed through the U.S. financial system. So then there you go. They say, well, because of that, then we, we actually can, can take it. There was another yacht we took. It was a 459-foot yacht. It was a $700 million luxury boat. That was impounded by Italy at our request. Beautiful yachts. Now, lawyers for the obscure oligarch said in a statement that they would reimburse the U.S. for the cost of maintaining the Amadea, which already totals about $20 million if it is returned to him. The lawyers called the seizure unlawful. Well, I kind of agree with them. I mean, I don't really know how we have a right to just steal somebody's yacht. But why would we want to if then the taxpayers have to maintain it and pay the crew? What the hell does that do? I don't I, I mean, if, you're, if we're going to seize a yacht, then let us let us have some fun with it. Let me take the kids on there, you know. And of course, the other Russia story of the day today is that Russia's advances on space-based nuclear weapons draws U.S. concerns. It's funny how all this comes out right as we're trying to get the reauthorization of Section 702 of the FISA Act, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Isn't that funny? The story about Russia developing anti-satellite nuclear weapons to place in space was public, made public now. For what reason, you think? Michael Turner, the congressman, the committee chair who wants the uh, FISA Act renewed in its form right now, made the information public. And The New York Times is saying he's a proponent of the Senate foreign aid bill. And Washington Post said the information was collected via authorities granted to the intelligence community under Section 702, of which Representative Turner is also a proponent. What a coincidence. I mean, just imagine what a coincidence and also, too, as we keep hearing about this imminent terror attack right on the heels of them having to renew FISA, 
an imminent attack, Russian nuclear missiles in space. Don't you see how all this happens? And it's funny how all this happens. And at the same time, you turn around and go, I don't know. The timing of this seems just a tad bit off. No, I'm just saying seems a little bit off. Like maybe they're telling all all these things because they want the government to do something, you know? I don't know. I um I don't trust any of these people in Washington. Not that you do either. Do you? I mean, you don't you don't trust these people, right? No, of course not. You're a smart person. That's why you listen to this show. You can trust me though. Trust me. You can always do that. Um, and the other thing is that, you know, <laughs> officials sound the alarm about new Russian space threat. I love actually I love this story. It kind of ties in with the other one. Russia has been experimenting with ways to disable satellites, raising concerns. That classified intelligence about a new weapon could indicate a strategic threat to national security. This is in the far right wing Washington Post. Now, you know why they do this, right? Because the government turns to them and says, hey, Washington Post, uh, we we need you to write this story because you want to get Pfizer renewed. So you got to write this story about Russia and all the bad things that they're doing. And then the Washington Post obliges. And then the Washington Post gets sources and scoops and everything else. And that's how they do it. And this is this is what always happens. And it's a symbiotic relationship between the government and the corporate media. So they write, Russia is developing a space-based military capability that members of Congress and U.S. officials worry could pose a significant threat to the United States and its allies, possibly by damaging critical intelligence or communication satellites with a nuclear weapon, according to officials familiar with the matter. And don't forget, they obtained all this Using FISA, right? Of course. This is the big story of the day today. Brought to you by my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, venariadental.com. Go see him today for your perfect smile that you deserve, and you do deserve a beautiful smile. The precise nature of the system was unclear. One person referred to it as a new Russian space threat capability. Some officials were alarmed after examining classified intelligence on Wednesday and warned of ominous consequences. One member of Congress called it a potential geostrategic game changer. Several lawmakers stressed there was no imminent danger, but they urged the Biden administration to take countermeasures soon. Now, I I guess I got to ask the obvious question, which is, um, how does Russia have the money for all this? If if the war in Ukraine is bleeding Vladimir Putin dry, how does Russia have all the money for this? Does anybody think maybe Putin's getting rich off this war, too? Uh, Me, I do. Because even Ukraine's still buying his natural gas and his oil. And countries around the world are. So I guess when the mayor of Moscow's wife gave Hunter Biden, what was it, $13 million? You got to wonder, is Biden on Putin's payroll too? I mean, really, is he on Putin's payroll too? I just, I have to wonder that. To me, it seems like something worth discussing, worth talking about. I would like to know if Vladimir Putin and Joe Biden have a cozy cozy relationship. Ah, I mean, probably not, right? (laughs) A day of fevered speculation about what the supposed space weapon might be was triggered by an unusual and cryptic public statement Wednesday by a leading member of Congress who urged lawmakers to review classified information about what he called a serious national security threat. That's right. A serious national security threat. And I'm very worried, and I know you are too, I'm very, very worried. I just think um, if we don't renew FISA the way it is, everything's going to be okay. If we do renew FISA the way it is, the government's going to keep spying on us without warrants and keep abusing civil liberties. And that much I can tell you with, with certainty, with absolute certainty I can. I have no doubts about that. 
they don't get in trouble for anything they do wrong. Remember, they don't get in trouble for any of it. If you turn around, if you turn around and you say to me, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go spy on my boss, the president of the United States. Let's go do it. Let's try to bring down his presidency. You would think those people would at least get charged with something. I don't know, treason, something. Hey, you know, I got an email the other day from a listener, uh, Chuck, who uh, was disagreeing with me on my comments about shrinkflation. I think Chuck thought I was saying that shrinkflation was not a real thing. And I said, no, it is a real thing, but it's Biden's fault. It is a real thing. Yes, packages have gotten smaller, but it's not a conspiracy theory. Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren want you to believe that is a conspiracy theory, that these companies are secretly making their products smaller and not telling you. But that would be illegal. Because, see, the FDA requires that they have to have all of their products by weight, not by volume. The weight has to be there. And this is where you get into all these class action lawsuits. They fill the bags up with nitrogen, which is weightless, but that's why they look puffy, you know, on the store shelves. But no, shrinkflation is absolutely real. The thing is, it's just Joe Biden's fault. He's trying to deflect and blame the companies for doing this. But as um, Veronique D. Uh, Rouget points out at Reason.com, shrinkflation is real. It happens when companies reduce the size or quantity of their products while maintaining the same sticker price, effectively raising the real price. In this case, Biden points a finger at the snack, food, and sports drink industries as the two main culprits. Have you noticed that your Gatorade bottle has gotten a little smaller? Does your bag of chips seem to be filled with air, more air than ever? It's probably not your imagination. Still, Biden's complaint would be funny if it wasn't so sad. See, shrinkflation is absolutely very, very real. But the wave of shrinkflation came in response to the rise in inflation the country experienced starting in 2021. In fact, she writes, I am baffled that the president would make such a big deal out of this now. The administration has been trying to fool voters into conflating the fact that inflation has tempered with the idea that prices are basically back to normal. That's not the case, of course. Inflation has declined, but the price of food is up by 20% on average since February 2021. Chicken and bread are up 25% and rents are still mightily elevated. These higher prices explain why voters continue to express plenty of frustration about the economy despite low unemployment, positive economic growth, and rising wages. Uh, Shrinkflation is real. It is absolutely a a product of inflation. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's nothing that they're hiding. And it's uh, something that we can blame Joe Biden for. And I'm sorry, it's not just the Fed raising interest rates, Johnny. It is also the fact that when Joe Biden got in there, he immediately spent $2.2 trillion on nonsense, And he also, when he got in there, decided to go after the oil and natural gas industry, which, of course, has caused the price of goods to go up as well as energy prices have gone up. So all these things together prove to you that inflation is very real and inflation is Joe Biden's fault. Shrinkflation is just the way the companies are trying to uh, keep their prices kind of the same. But it's not a conspiracy theory. They're not they're not trying to fool you. They're just trying to keep prices level. And yeah, you know, you can you can blame them and make them the bad guy. But I think the the anger should really be directed at, I don't know, the guy who's in charge of the country, who's been running this country into the freaking ground, who's been driving the economy into the ground with his reckless spending. Even the Inflation Reduction Act, which we know is just nothing more than a gigantic climate change scam. All of these things have had a big effect on inflation. A huge impact. I, I think Washington spending, you cannot rule out 
the effect it has on inflation. Yes, the Fed acted too late. Uh, the Fed was printing money. Yes, the Fed is at fault. I don't want you to think I'm not blaming the Fed. They have a huge role to play in all this. Of course they do. But it'd be foolish to just blame the Fed and to not also include the reckless spending of this administration. So I'm just uh, I'm just pointing that out. Yeah, thank you to, um, before the show today, Newman Price had made a <laughs> little graphic. Early dismissal of the show, three to blank p.m., as we are about to turn it over to uh, basketball, but that's all right. I, you know, like I said, I'm on I'm on dad duty tonight, so I got to help out my father-in-law with the kids, and um, I made meatballs today, I'm spaghetti and meatballs. Would you like to hear my meatball recipe? No, you don't want to hear that. That was an old thing. Remember that? Was it Michael Savage? Yeah, Savage gave out his meatball recipe, and Levin killed him on the air for that, for boring everybody with his meatball recipe. That was when he took over in New York years ago and pushed Michael Savage out and um, surpassed him. Of course, the great one, Mark Levin, would normally be heard right after the show today, uh, but he's not going to be heard either because we have Temple basketball. (laughs) So it's all right. Don't worry about it. Come on. You know and I know it's all good. It's fine. Oh, and the other thing, too, is that um, the the whole issue about um, NATO and Trump, just to kind of bring it back to Russia, Trump had a point about NATO free riding off American defense. J.D. Ticcilli at Reason.com had a piece on this. He said, you know, it's true. The United States pays too much of the tab for all these other countries and their security. It pays way too much of Europe's defense bill, even as the United States of America is going broke. And he says, you know, European politicians are indignant that former and possibly future U.S. President Donald Trump threatened to deny protections to NATO allies that didn't meet their defense spending obligations. Worse, he said he'd encourage Russia to do its worst, worst if they didn't pay up, making the pact sound more like a protection racket than an alliance. But while Trump managed typically to frame the matter in the nastiest way possible, he's right that many European countries free ride on American military might. I don't think he was trying to do it in a nasty way. He just uses hyperbole. and He always has. And people have to get that by now. I mean, come on already. And I do equate it to a neighborhood protection racket. I told you that the other day. In my opinion, it is. NATO is. It is a it is when the mafia used to control the neighborhoods and they would say, hey, you know, nice place you got here. Be a shame if something happened to it. But for a small fee, you could join the neighborhood association organization and we can make sure nobody steals nothing. We can make sure that uh, the place doesn't go on fire uh, and whatnot. Uh, be a shame. And so you, you paid up, and that's how it was. I mean, NATO's kind of like that, I guess, right? And if you didn't pay up, you didn't get the protection. I think NATO's exactly like that. I mean, if you're not paying your, your, your way, what is, what, why do we have it then, I guess? And the other point that I've been making over and over this week is if— Nikki Haley's correct, and Putin's never invaded a NATO country, but he's going he's gonna to go through Ukraine and then start attacking NATO, then what's the point of NATO? Which is it? Is it that we need NATO because Putin's never attacked a NATO country, or NATO's useless because Putin's going to attack NATO the second he wins in Ukraine? Countries have to spend 2% of their gross domestic product on defense. In 2014, only three allies met that, gu- that guideline. The United States accounted for 54% of the Allies' combined GDP and 70% of combined defense expenditure. NATO has currently has 31 member countries, and the seven meeting their obligations in the report are the United States, Greece, 
Lithuania, Poland, the UK, Estonia, Latvia, Germany. Uh, but Germany is not spending enough. And neither is France. So British military, which um, really could use the help, actually, they're not meeting their freight either. So anyway, I'm just saying it would be nice if the other uh, countries played nice. Wouldn't it be nice? I think so. All right. We'll be back for a full Friday show tomorrow. Next week, we'll be live at CPAC. I'm excited for that. Hopefully, we'll get some great interviews for you. We'll be there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday next week at the Gaylord Hotel right outside of Washington, D.C. Uh, so it'll be fun. It should be good. And I think we're going to be at the epicenter of conservative influence, as this program always is and always will be. Have a great rest of your night tonight. Keep the conversation going on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Thank you for listening. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.